Hello, everybody. I have a time-sensitive announcement for you uh, uh, as regards a way to help Gary out. Go to uh, duckfeed.tv slash bonfiresidecats, that is cats as in the thing that purrs and jumps around, uh, to buy a pretty cool t-shirt. My, I got kind of booted out of my old house and don't have a new house. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm raising some money to... Uh, Get it, you know, in pet-friendly hotels and pet-friendly, you know, kind of sublets, things like that, and you know, kind of jumping from place to place, to where I can still have the internet and be able to keep doing the shows, but also have my my whole life and everything until I can get a more permanent place in November. Um, so everyone who's already, you know, thank you to everybody who's already seen the campaign. Uh, it's been very successful. But uh, if you're listening to this, you have until Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, to to head on over to that website and get this limited edition shirt, uh, Cold Druid. It's really cute, and uh, yeah, it is uh, doing it for doing it for me and also doing it for the Roars because mm-hmm. Roars is also uh, in in a state of limbo yeah. as of now, and we're apart. Like I, I just want him to jump into my arms and start singing uh, Mother and and Son reunion or Mother and Child reunion, <laughs> that Paul Simon song, and just have yep. that start blasting <laughs> um, as I spin around with him, and he you know desperately claws and tries to get away from me because mm-hmm. he's in a weird place, but eventually he'll settle down and be happy. Gary, I just pictured Kitty Limbo, and it was the best. Like I would, I would take a, take a, take a chance on Kitty Limbo. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the, uh, uh, that would be awesome if anybody, if you want to get one of those shirts, it's just our normal Teespring thing. So they're not, they won't break the bank and, uh, and they're the same quality and everything. Yeah. Which is cool. So that is duckfeed.tv slash bonfireside cats to see the product, to see a little bit more of the story and, uh, get the link to the Teespring campaign. And for everybody who donates to that, I have some, some exclusives planned. Mm-hmm. I have a couple little bits of, uh, content things I want to make. Cause I, you know, want to be able to give back and say, thank you. I have those things planned and I think they're neat. Yeah. So, uh, that's another thing you can look forward to. Um, just as a thank you from me to you, because this has been, uh, life-changing in a, in a real serious way. Yeah. Um, you know, just been sleeping on couches for a couple of days and starting to go slowly insane. Yeah. So, um, this, <laughs> this will save my sanity. Yeah. Umbasa. Umbasa. Welcome to WOFF and our award-winning game show, Is It Metal? All right, our contestant today is Gary Butterfield. Hey, Gary. Hello, hello, Paul. Everybody knows the rules. I'm going to say something, and Gary's going to tell me if it's metal. A god cow who speaks like a human. Metal. Uh, Let's see here. You are correct. That is indeed metal. Number two, Grim Reaper, God of Oaths, compelling man to quell those who would defy his mortal seal. Metal! I'm sorry, that is, in fact, not metal. Uh, That is actually enforcing the rules, and metal is not about the rules. Uh, I mean... uh... Mountains like obsidian fingers stabbing forth from the crimson loam towards desolate and bat-filled skies. Rush Lyric. Let's see here... Yes, Rush Lyric. Feel the drift. The sister of your son, fourth in line and vaunted by the spirit of the rock on the hilltop and the ox of the valley. Uh, that, that's just my daughter. That's, that's not metal. And it's metal because he will rend many skulls in twain. <clears throat> ah, twain. Oops, all fairies. Uh, not, not metal. <clears throat> I'm sorry. That is indeed metal. Oops, all fairies who feast on blood. Ah, shit. I mean, God, can't stop swearing on the radio. <laughs> that's all right. We've got a Patreon set up for the fives. All right, last one of the main round. A carnivorous metal cube that disassembles upon hearing a poem nobody has heard before. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to say that's metal. Carnivorous things are metal. That is indeed metal. The cube is made out of metal. There we go. 
Uh, let's see. You, you, you're just squeaking by with a winning record, but let's go to the lightning round, okay? Okay. Okay. Okay, here we go. The Eater of Skin. Metal. The author of Sores. Rush Larry. The maker of bad growth. Not metal. The teller of lies. Metal. The breaker of souls. Metal. Staying in school. Not metal. I'm sorry, that is in fact metal. The best oh. thing you can do is stay in school. This has oh. been Is It Metal on WOFF. <sighs> hey Gary, we've completed our computer our community service now. It's weird that they, they just put the podcast in through the through the, the TVs and schools. We're on channel one. Like, I, I wish I would have been a fly on the wall when the teacher had to explain the year of the tadpole the summer come. Well, it's a, it's a health class. <laughs> That's why we got to get to the, the winter of our fallopians. I've always wanted to be banned in Tennessee. My name is Cole Ross. And you're listening to Watch Out for Fireballs. It is a retro games podcast. Yes, and this week we are talking about King of Dragon Pass, which is a strategy game uh, developed and published by A-Sharp for the PC in 1999. It is, it's, a, it's many things. Yes. This is one of the most unique games we've played on the show. Indeed. Um, uh, like, you... I can't can't think of many things that are like this. And we thought we, had, we would have a lot of trouble, like, uh, defining star control. Yeah. <laughs> No, but this is, I mean, this is, that's probably the closest thing though, Yeah, which is, which is crazy <laughs> and, and very cool. Like this, this is a very cool game. Um, so it's kind of like, you know, multiple different genres as, as we mentioned. Um, part of it is this grand strategy game in that you're making these, you know, you are a omniscient advisor character, you know, kind of controlling this, this clan, making these high level national decisions about, uh, military actions and resources and diplomacy and the like using this, you know, strategy game t- style map and, you know, information that you gather throughout. So these relationships are very important. So that's one part of the game. Yeah. And one level lower than that is this management game for your own tribe where you've got this economy with a bunch of different resources that you're trying to uh, trying to manage different currencies, uh, managing your population, keeping them happy and, you know, trying to keep things in balance and hopefully grow, but uh, pretty often uh, shrink. <laughs> In my experience. Yeah, yeah it's, 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 it's a tough game as we'll, we'll talk about. Yeah. And then kind of the, the base level and the most, you know, kind of unique thing about this game, I think, mm-hmm. is that it intercuts these choose your own adventure or visual novel or game book sections. Um, in that in between these actions, when you're doing these high level management actions, um, you get these little decisions, these little vignette, vignettes that uh, you have to make decisions. These will impact the growth or, uh, or you know, shrinkage. The prosperity or anti-prosperity <laughs> of your clan, um, you know, and these kind of this is how you get into the end game. This is how you discover kind of all these secrets and everything like that usually come through these random events. And yeah. a lot of the game is spent with these. These aren't rare. No, um, no. In fact, it's pretty much every other turn. And sometimes they are stacked one on top of the other, depending on how they trigger. Yes. Yeah. So you spend a lot of time on these guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a beautiful game. 
like for as much as the uh, for as much of the time as you spend uh uh looking at maps <laughs> and looking at kind of like status screens and i'm speaking specific, specifically about the ios uh version of it here like every one of these uh choices is kind of paired up with this just luscious illustration showing you what's happening in that scene yeah there are no and that's all there is there's no animation right um this game has zero animation which is crazy it was made by a very small team mm-hmm. um this a sharp guy is him and some some other programmers um and he got his kind of background in the tabletop world mm-hmm. that this is based on so like it recalls that kind of tabletop fantasy art of a certain vintage yeah you know which which is really cool and because it has that background the lore is really complicated um, it takes place in the same place where RuneQuest takes place or HeroQuest, um, this place called Glorantha. And it has this very fleshed out kind of barbarian culture with these histories and these gods. And it is not, uh, the coolest thing about it is that it's not cliche. <laughs> um, the culture does not read like Dragonlance right. or anything like that. Like this is a very different kind of game world. Um, and this was, you know, don't expect us to be experts on this. It's, it would be like us sitting down and explaining all of you know, Forgotten Realms and all the gods when we talk, you know, to talk about Baldur's Gate. But it's all there and it's all new to me, which is weird because I have a deep background in this stuff, but I've never played RuneQuest. Mm -hmm. And uh, the hero quest that this is based, like I played the board game hero quest, but that has very little lore in it. Yeah, like this is, you know, (laughs) a more direct take on Norse, um, Norse Norse-esque kind of, uh, or Germanic folklore than uh mm-hmm. than you would see uh like in a like in a tolkien even though all that is there and i'm looking at all this i'm like oh here are a whole bunch of mortals who ascend to godhood by these various feats or by you know acquiring something where else have we seen that well most mm-hmm. most of all uh fantasy but also this is like souls as hell you know to yeah. a certain extent when you when you look at the way like the pantheon is assembled and stuff so like it's not cliche but it feels familiar they they fulfill these certain archetypes, but also a lot of things subvert them mm-hmm. is what I found. So like, you know, we'll talk about the general world as we get through the weird ass structure of this episode, but like <laughs> there's lots of things you wouldn't expect. So like you're barbarians, but there are every turn the game is encouraging you not to be a barbarian. Right. <laughs> Essentially like, so, you know, making peace and winning things socially uh, is more important mm-hmm. than, you know, and more desirable than, than through war Um, you know, women have equal rights in the society and that's like part of, you know, passed down from the gods. Yeah. And they even, they kind of, uh, invert the cliches where men are considered to be, um, emotional and wild and undependable and women are, you know, even headed and, and cunning in this world. So like it is, they just spend a lot of times taking things that you would expect and doing Mm -hmm. the opposite. And it makes the whole thing feel really surprising. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, at every, every given turn, and that's what you know kept me playing and made me like it as much as I did, was just this idea that like, oh, everything I learned, like this is not, it's familiar, but it's just off enough to be really compelling. Yeah, and it's also goofy too. Like this game it's has a so sense goofy. of humor. Like, like <laughs> it, uh, it, it doesn't take itself seriously for as much as you would think something with this volume of lore and inter- intricacy of lore would. Or this genre, right? Yeah. Like, if you sit down to play, like, I've never played Crusader Kings, but I've watched some people, I've watched a couple Let's Play things yeah. of it and, and read about it, and, like, it's really self-serious. <laughs> you know, like, Grand Strategy is not a genre known for a sense of humor. Um, you know, Star Control, too, had a sense of humor. Mm-hmm. But, like, a lot of these games that, that follow in this don't have one. And this is 
real goofy in a way that I love. Like, I really like the sense of humor of this game. This is kind of like some weird, uh, let's say, uh, uh, kind of like recommended listening. There's an episode of a podcast that I like. Uh, the podcast is Hardcore History, but the but the episode's like four hours long. And it's called Thor's Angels. Mm-hmm. And it is it is all about like looking at these Germanic uh, and what would become Scandinavian tribes in the way that they kind of clashed with what was then considered to be the modern world. Mm-hmm. And so, like listening to that will give you a big appreciation for like the, the 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 way that our concept of Vikings and these barbarians might not have been actually like accurate, mm-hmm. you know, because of like popular culture, like that, like that will enrich your experience if you're coming into this kind of like I did with you know only a rough understanding of 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 how this uh, how this stuff comes together. And and the, I mean, if you want to do, you can. That's what it's kind of based on. And if you're going into this blind as well. Um, the, the game contains, you know, mountains of text, Yeah, like all of the lore and backstory and stuff is available in game. It contains so much text that it short circuited my ability to go after it all. Yeah. And it's cool. Like it, that doesn't happen. Like <laughs> Cole's never met an audio log he didn't like, like that, it's not, you know, he, he reads the descriptions in mass effect and, and dragon age, like this, this, he didn't do it here. So that just shows you how much there is. Yeah. Um, I didn't read all of it either, but I, I usually don't. Mm-hmm. But I do think that on the whole, it's pretty well written and interesting. Yeah. Like the myths read like actual myths to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, the, you know, the person who did this had, if, if they didn't study it, they had a, a good understanding of what makes those kind of uh, tribal myths because they, they felt legitimate to me. Um, we both played this on iOS. Um, ultimately mm-hmm. there's a lot of different uh, versions of it though so it was originally released for pc in 1999 um, but then got a release on ios i think in 2009 mm-hmm. and uh, has hence been ported to the android and the windows phone yeah and uh, the original version of it is still available on gog uh, or sorry josh.com mm-hmm. um, and uh, uh, if you want to check that one out and see how it looked unfortunately i didn't have time to uh, to go and uh, and grab that uh, even though we did play it on ios uh, there are some caveats behind that uh gary do you want to talk about your experience well two things real quick in general terms um the ios version is not a it is mildly simplified but it's simplified with the blessings of the creators Mm -hmm. um the people who make this game the a sharp people um that's you know they support that version and and a lot of the added content to it was written by the original developers so it's not like a you know it's not like the, the version 999 uh on ios but two, um, I ran into two game-breaking glitches, um, or the same glitch twice playing the game. So in full disclosure, like there's only a handful of games I haven't beat for the show that we talked about. And this is one of them, despite being my favorite game for the show that I haven't beaten. Mm-hmm. And the reason why is that there's a glitch that I had on iOS uh, reloading. Um, the game autosaves every year, and I attempted to reload, um, you know, possibly dishonorably or whatever, if you want to call it that, like the functionalities in the game. But I was... You knave. I fail. I, I failed it. Yeah, I failed at something and wanted another try at it because I was playing for a deadline, and uh, the game got a glitch where it couldn't uh, couldn't load, so it would crash back to iPhone desktop every time I opened it. Um, worked with the developer, and because um, you know they said, well, if you could back up the save, do a reinstall, you could do that. Um, but there's iOS doesn't want you to have access to the files you own, mm-hmm. um, so the I couldn't do that, and I couldn't find a way to do it, and then. Uh, Ended up reinstalling and playing again and ran into the same error again, luckily a little earlier on. Mm-hmm. But I wasted, you know, like 12 hours or something mm-hmm. the first time around. It's, it was a lot of time yeah. and a lot of investment. Like it speaks well to the game that I didn't <laughs> feel like, 
because starting over, you're going to get a lot of random events and, you know, some, a lot of them you haven't get, got before. Like the game is different every time you play. That's like a box feature that a lot of games claim. And I think it's mm-hmm. pretty true in this game. Um, but I'd gotten really, really attached to clan taco night and really <laughs> wanted to, to, to have them ascend and become the king of dragon pass. And, uh, <laughs> they just, they just died. So clan pizza party had to try to <laughs> try to take their place and clan pizza party met a similar fate. Sadly. <laughs> what, what about the what about the great BFDs? Are they, they, you know, the, breakfast for dinners. Yeah, <laughs> those are our hated, hated enemy. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I didn't beat this either, but uh, because I am terrible at games, uh, so it's, it's a hard game, and a lot of it depends on luck. Like, yeah, we'll we'll talk about it in generalities, but I think that you are meant to fail in this game mm-hmm. a good amount, and it does a really good job of and wants you to consider the long history in the long view. Yeah. So it wants these little dips that would happen in a culture, you know, no culture has just had prosperity for <laughs> thousands of years. These little yeah. look, dips and wars and famines and stuff are supposed to happen. Right. Uh, so this episode is going to be pretty different from what you usually hear from us. Uh, there's really no like critical path through this. There are just kind of milestones you reach and events that pop up that give you quest lines that will ultimately take you to a victory condition. Um, so instead the bulk of this is going to focus on, mechanics um mm-hmm. and kind of like talking about the different things that this game can do um or that you can do in this game and uh, kind of some anecdotes uh that are that arise out of that and this makes this episode kind of poised to be a, probably our most like beginner friendly one even though we are tourists in this world and they're you know i barely have an understanding of what's going on here um but like i hope that this episode can serve to get people jazzed about this game so they go play it too yeah, I won't spoil anything. Yeah. Like, you'll you'll hear it. This will just help you. Like, we will <laughs> we will talk about these things and explain them and save you the trouble of reading the manual and reading all of the beginner's tips mm-hmm. articles that we read. Yeah. You know, because I spend a lot of time looking around for, like, how to get started. Because it's really intimidating. Like, this is not <laughs> my genre of game. Like, I'm not good at, at strategy games. Um, you know, so it, it, it was hard to go into. Let's uh, let's set up the plot and premise, even though we are going to, like I said, there's not really a linear story. <laughs> right. But just the setup. Yes. So you are a clan of Orlanthi, uh, um, a race of storm people barbarians who have been chased out of your homeland by an evil pharaoh. Um, so you decide to settle and colonize this dangerous and uninhabited land of Dragon Pass to the north. Um, and immediately, uh, your clan and several others start to build up and vie for power, land, and cows. Yes, cows are the most important currency in the game. <laughs> uh, cows are incredibly important. The uh, When you start the game, you can choose um, a long game or a short game or hard mode or easy mode. Um, hard mode and easy mode are do what they sound like. Um, a long game and a short game are kind of deceptive, though. Um, a short game, you just have to become the king or uh, like that, yeah, become a, a clan leader and or a king and just kind of hold that for, for 10 years. Yeah. Um, the long game, you have to actually do these end conditions that we'll talk about. Yeah. So the real game is the long game. <laughs> um, you know, you should you should probably play the long game because playing the short game, if you're, if you're poised to succeed in the short game, it's not that much more to succeed in the long game. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would recommend the long game, but I would also recommend normal or, or easy rather than hard. Yeah, because I think the game is hard enough. 
definitely. Uh, so kind of along with that, you know, deciding which game you want to play. Did, so how did you approach this, Gary? Like, uh, like how much pre-knowledge did you go, go in with or did you kind of go in blind? Um, I, I, like I said, I looked at kind of before I play style resources for this mm-hmm. um, that explains some of the differences. But the only thing I really took into it was that uh, the choices you make in the tutorial really matter and you want to... like So, so some of the, the story, like, lore considerations, like, your ancestors are really important. So if your ancestors did something some way, you should do them as well that way. So I more than informing my choices in the beginning, I made sure I stuck by those choices mm-hmm. and thought about how important that was. Yeah. Um, but I definitely I had I had a game crash and, and burn where I just kind of played naturally mm-hmm. that lasted a couple hours. And I'll talk about how that ended because it was delightful. <laughs> OK, um, yeah, uh, I, I really didn't do any wiki wiki crawling for this because the opacity of the mechanics and uh, how much it hides from you really seems to be a lot of the point. Yeah, yeah, I, I could see that. I think, well, I mean, it, I don't know. I think that what's. I think that's true to a degree, but I also think it's true that you were supposed to read the manual. Oh yeah, I printed out the manual and I like I I opened up the like I, re- I read their beginner tips and I referenced it when I was unclear about the way something worked. But I, th- I guess I'm I'm speaking more to the interactions between different things um, oh, and gotcha. kind of the kind of the way that choices will spiral out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That stuff I did not have spoiled for me. Yeah. Um. You know, really at all. I I did read the manual though because you you know have to. Yeah, um, it's, it's really recommended. Yeah. So when you start out, you start out with the history of your clan <laughs> as this kind of oral history where you make these decisions that you have to stick by. Yeah. Um, and it gives you a little bit of the flavor of, of the game. <laughs> yeah. And uh, <laughs> like if you come into it um, blind like I did before I really kind of like uh, jumped into the manual, I was like, OK, I need to get context for this. This stuff can just look like a whole bunch of proper nouns. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't know who any of these people are initially. Yeah. Um. And and the game favors people who have curiosity for that stuff. Yeah. Like if you hear about the you know some kind of god, like if you want to know about that, if it doesn't, you know, it, it is very gameplay focused, but it, the rewards knowledge of the lore better than a lot of games. Yeah. That I know mechanically rewards knowledge of the lore down to the kind of end quest that you do. These this hero quest mechanic we'll talk about. <laughs> essentially functions as a, a lore test a quiz yeah yeah like a, yeah exactly like a lore quiz so it's not only you know do they want you you're eating this up aren't you cole like they, they want that <laughs> but also if you want to mechanically succeed mm-hmm. so in in that way like it is a game that ties lore and mechanics together mm-hmm. you know as well as as games from i can think of off the top of my head yeah like it does a really good job of putting those two things and intertwining them mm-hmm. Uh, something the manual encourages you encourages you to do, and I would definitely echo that, is, you know, the decisions that you make here, they are important because you are not playing as kind of like somebody with a modern moral view. Like you're playing mm-hmm. as very tradition-focused barbarian folk. And so yeah. when you establish these traditions, if you go back on them, the ancestors are pissed. Yeah, yeah, which is, man, it's every time they show up. Um, <laughs> So the uh, the first choice you're making is what your your clan's primary deity is, mm-hmm. um, Orlanth, who is the king, who's kind of the main father, god figure, um, who handles war and uh, some elements of crops as well. Yeah. Um, Earl Nalda, the Earth Mother, who is this kind of healing goddess, um, or she's is she the bounty? She's not the healing goddess. She's the bounty goddess. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're thinking of uh, Chalana Arroy. I am thinking of Chalana Arroy. And then um, the final one is Elmal, the Sun Defender, who is um, one of the more martial gods. Yeah. 
he's one of the people that you can actually like sacrifice to before a battle to help turn things in your favor and this kind of sets up um a a bunch of these decisions change the the makeup of your clan ring um and also uh kind of which style of play you're going to do and this is another choice you get here as well which is do you want to be violent peaceful or balanced Real, real quick, just as far as flavor, when you're choosing those gods, mm-hmm. the way you choose it isn't just a menu that says which god do you prefer. <laughs> it says when Orlanth married uh, Earl Nalda, what did your clan do? And you either whoop with Orlanth, which like, you just you party and partake in the wedding, which is like a total valid choice. Like you think it would be in a, a more modern game that would be slacking, you know, somehow. <laughs> but that's that's great. Um, you can either send your women folks off with Earl Nalda to learn secrets that men will never know, or you can guard the party. With Elmall. So everything has that flavor to it. It's never yeah. just like, you know, or very few things are just which of these things do you want to have with no context? Yeah, it doesn't um, just it doesn't just give you a name and then like an array of stats with pluses or minus. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, those things are all there, but you're, mm-hmm. it's up to you to kind of role play. It, it hides it behind there and you just have to like look at the signifiers. Yep. Yeah. Um, so as you mentioned, uh, are you violent, peaceful, or balanced? Mm-hmm. Um, I chose uh, violent the first game that died or that <laughs> failed, and then uh, balanced for every additional game because yeah. there's not really a downside to doing balanced. Yeah. Um, you get to partake in both. <laughs> yeah, I chose balanced, um, and I th- I think that maybe that accounted for why I got like a lot of like strife between my farmers and my and my warriors a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like there's a definite push and pull. Uh, between yeah, the two of those but that's carl's worry like the, <laughs> the, carl's always doing that shit um yeah. uh, you can also decide whether or not you want to take slaves mm-hmm. um which i don't because i'm, I'm an abolitionist in these games yeah um, even, and, even... And, and but not in real life oh well you um, know sometimes you like to see what the, you like to see what the other side looks like yeah like if, if i can't take slaves in in game oh. or in real life I might as well in game um it's not looked down on though that morality that you're supposed to have like mm-hmm. having thralls you're going to run into clans without thralls um and if you take thralls it doesn't necessarily mean you're evil mm-hmm. uh, it just actually just opens up new events so right. they, they have a benefit in that they work the same land that a farmer does but they require less food but <laughs> they also you get like slave revolt events and stuff like that yeah yeah uh, you can also choose your ancient enemy i i didn't really so i chose the ice demons um, but there are definitely ones that you can uh, pick that will kind of be more common encounters like ice demons. Whenever there was a bad winter, I would like rally up the the, the, the storm walkers and go defeat them. Mm. <laughs> Whereas like beast men, I've got neighbors who are beast men. Yeah. Some of my best friends are beast men. Like yeah. I don't, I don't like, I don't, I don't want to have the beast men be my enemy. Mm-hmm. Um, elves are another option here, mm-hmm. um, which are not a bad option. And then there's one that's like uh, the Praxis. Yes. Um, that, which I think are, those are uh, horse nomads. Yeah, those are like, the, uh, the the desert dwellers to the southeast. Yeah, that's what that's who I picked oftentimes because I didn't run into them in my early kind of practice games. Mm-hmm. And the first time I went through, I picked trolls and they whipped me. Yeah. So the trolls are actually really tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, the, the, those trolls up to the north with the crag spider. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, you get to decide whether you're okay with dragons because the, this is the you know dragon pass isn't just a. It's actually it's actually <laughs> it's a actually candy. archipelago. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's 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 actually named because of dragons. Yeah. Um, so in the past, it gives you this like it, this kind of funny trick question where it's like, <laughs> did you treat with the dragons um, in the past, or did you make war with them? And then regardless of what you say, it says, well, 
unfortunately for the, you know, luckily, for, even if you say you, you made peace with them, it says, luckily for you, you didn't actually follow them because they actually roasted <laughs> everyone alive. Yeah. Over there. And then, you know, you were able to evaluate it. I yeah. still gave the dragons the benefit of the doubt. And that, it, that ended up paying off, although they are very capricious allies at the best. I, yeah, I didn't spend a lot of time with the dragons, um, unfortunately. Like, uh, those, a lot of those events I didn't actually see. Yeah, if you send uh, explorers out to mountains, there are almost always dragon newts and worms and stuff like uh, that. Dragon newts. Um, <laughs> dragon newts are these, these uh, pre-dragon forms, like half mm-hmm. dragon, half, you know, people. It's almost like they have, like, human aspects to them, which is weird. Mm-hmm. Like, there's small dragons, but yeah. they, uh, and they'll, they speak they'll, English. And... They'll kill you for sneezing. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they hate sneezing. That's that's a that's a grievous insult there. Um, you have to choose how to land you claim, which like, is almost kind of a non-choice. Like it, yeah. the one option just is like sounds perfect. Like <laughs> yeah. you know, a little bit of land to grow into, but not too much that we can't control. <laughs> yeah. That sounds right. Um, I don't want to choose. You know, do you want this to be not salty enough or too salty or just salty <laughs> perfectly? Exactly. Um, and then whether you're playing that long or short game, which I mentioned. Yeah. Um, and then the, the game loop kind of starts, and we're going to talk about the different uh, different seasons and the things you can do in those seasons. So there are five seasons uh, through through the game: sea, which is kind of like late spring; uh, fire, which is uh, which is summer; earth, which is autumn. Dark, which is winter, and storm, which is early spring. Yes. Um, with this then, kind of sacred time resting in between them. And it's each of sacred, <laughs> it's sacred time. And, and each of the, you know, like it, it makes a certain amount of sense. Dedicate the... magic to <laughs> mysteries, baby. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, the things that you're supposed to do in these in, in these times make sense. Like uh, you're probably not supposed to raid when people are supposed to be harvesting, right? And you kind of fall into this natural rhythm, but uh, uh, your early years are probably going to be marked by making a couple of mistakes because the game kind of tries to goad you into doing uh, kind of incorrect stuff. I, how do you mean that? Like, I don't know if I experienced that. Oh, like somebody will uh, come and raid you in the uh, in in the uh, sea season, and uh, mm. like, oh, do you counter raid? And then you counter raid, and it's like, oh, well, nope. Uh, yeah, you didn't plant, plant anything, so now you're gonna starve. So that didn't that didn't. I don't think that's set. Um, I didn't have that. I think that you can have that happen, but oh yeah, it doesn't yeah. always happen. And and the reason you don't raid or you know be raid is obviously you need your your people to plant. But also it's it's rude and will cause enemies because relationships are super important. Yeah. So even then, like, it's if it's teaching you not to counter raid, it's also teaching you to kind of turn the other cheek, because like cattle raids, like there are kind of like capital R raids and lowercase R raids, and mm-hmm. just regular cattle raids are expected. Like everyone just deals with them. Mm-hmm. You know, you're supposed to, you can, you can cattle raid your allies, you can cattle raid anybody and it's yeah. fine. <laughs> and the justification for that is if you weren't protecting them, they weren't yours to begin with. Exactly. Yeah. Cause weird <laughs> barbarian morality. Um, sacred time is when you, so you get your, your kind of prophecies for the year. Um, and then you have magic that you get, which are these, uh, kind of all purpose resource that you can put into these different categories. Um, that influence your success for that year. So there are things like crop and war and trade uh, mysteries, which I mentioned, which is how well you can uh, learn secrets of the gods mm-hmm. that year. Um, things like that. A little pro tip, um, you know, the game tells you to leave some points behind <laughs> for the year. Um, don't do that for war, because if you can spend in war at the beginning of the year, you get a better bonus than you do spending it in a battle. 
right. and you get it the whole year. So if you think that you're going to save a point of magic for, for a battle, just put it in war at the beginning of the year. Yeah. Um, and you can build up a surplus too. Yeah, yeah, they carry over, which is great because you're going to have events that uh, take and, you know, give you these and remove them. And at one point I had like 13 or something like that, like <laughs> had like a lot of them floating around. 24 or something like that. Yeah, I was like, like, oh, I'm not spending these as much as I should, am I? At some point you can, you can become pretty rich in magic depending on mm-hmm. if you have good luck with random events. Yep. Um, each season lasts two turns. So you can do two things during each season. Um, and these, you know, what you want to do varies per season, but what you can do doesn't. And we'll, we'll talk about those individual actions. Yeah. And, and like I said, different seasons are good for different tasks. And you'll just kind of, you know, come to settle into like fire season is when I do cattle raids. Like that makes sense to me. Yeah. Fire season is the is the season of raiding. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have you have your sowing, your reaping season, your war season. You're kind of hunker down. Mm hmm season like i yep. used uh you know dark to uh to build up fortifications and uh and and you know build temples and study mysteries and the like yeah and then storm season uh you can also raid during it's kind of like a second chance to raid yep. it's a little bit more dangerous but it's fine yeah it's uh it's dealer's choice i like to use the uh the storm season to explore as well oh yeah 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 um i don't know like i just i, I felt like i had a, a higher degree of success with stuff that i tried to do there yeah i, I usually would explore during uh sea or earth um, for one of those turns yeah. because it doesn't take, you can pass a turn. Um, one of the things that took me the longest to get a handle on was how often I should be doing that. Yeah. Like, you have to do it more than you think. Well, you, you don't though. Like that's mm-hmm. what I thought too, but you should like, cause I, I was looking up, like I read part of a let's play to see how often, you know, other people were passing and they were never were. And if you think you're going to pass, you can always like explore your own Tula, mm-hmm. um, or do something like that. That is low, um, or give gifts to somebody next to you yeah. if it's a, a sea or earth or, or storm season. You can always be doing something um, during those times. Uh, like, so I ended up, I started off passing really often and wasn't very successful. And then later, very rarely passed and was yeah. more successful. Yeah. I, was, I, I probably passed about maybe once every two years or so. Mm. Just because I was down to a point where, like, most of my really successful leaders for a party would be out or something. Yeah, like yeah. If everybody is out doing something, yeah. let's let's talk about those leaders. Yeah, yeah. So the clan ring kind of ends up being like your uh, being your your NPC or your player character stand-in. Yeah, this is really neat. Like, I like <laughs> this this system a lot. So it's, it's kind of like Pokemon, where you're building the perfect character out of six monsters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it and it gives you a default one, but they're not perfect. Right. Um, it gives you a a ring, a default ring. But you, the first thing I always did was go in and and change that. Um, so you get the seven nobles and a chief, and you can you want somebody to kind of cover all of the attributes and a wide variety of gods. Yes. There. So you want somebody who's excellent at at these different different things. So it's like war making or custom, which is is law in the game. Cause that's really important. Um, you know, magic plants. So it's, it, you know, it's your, your harvest master or what have yep. you. And then God wise, it's important to have a wide variety of gods because the gods influence what you can do during sacred time. Um, as far as how much you can, uh, how much slots to put magic in. Yeah. Um, and then also some special events. So like if you want to do a hero quest or if you have uh, one of the trickster gods that you're mall, um, that gives you like special options during a lot of, a lot of uh, events that pop up. Yeah, rolling with your mall, you definitely want to do it. It's kind of like rolling as Malkavian and vampire. Yeah, and you just have <laughs> one of them. It's like having just one Malkavian instead of just having to spend the entire time with a Malkavian. <laughs> no. Like 
worshippers of Irmel are great. They have different portraits depending on, you know, their god. And one of them for Irmel is really, really good. He's making the <laughs> face from um, The Shining. Yep. Like he's, make, he's making the Jack Nicholson he's face from that. He's doing the Kubrick stare. Somebody put uh, on our Facebook, you know, we asked for responses and someone just put a screenshot of, of <laughs> with no context where it's all these triceratops like causing a havoc and the Irmal worshiper with the Kubrick stare saying, big horns, big fun. <laughs> and it's like my favorite thing. <laughs> like, so good. Yep. Uh, my my trickster. He was kind of he was kind of a big guy with a beard and a jolly look. Mm-hmm. Um, who just started looking more and more ghastly as he aged. Yeah, they age too, which is yeah. something to keep in mind. Which is again just like one of a thousand little things you have to keep track of in this mm-hmm. game. Yeah, because because your uh, your your ring members they get uh, they get better as they go along as they start practicing their stuff. Like if you start somebody really young, they're going to be legendary, uh, literally. Yeah. But you know, by the time they're about ready to die. Um, but uh, you know, if you don't have somebody waiting in the wings for when that legendary person dies, then you're going to be uh, in some trouble. You're going to kind of step back. And it gives you this risk reward setup where like maybe my best person at leadership is 68 years old. Mm-hmm. Like, do I want to do that even though they're the best for the job now? So it's really interesting yeah. um, setting up this clan ring. And then during any uh, any screen or any event, they'll give you advice. <laughs> and this is really interesting because you can't, like it's tempered by their own attitudes. And eventually like you get to the point where it's like, hey, that guy, I know that guy. Yeah. <laughs> I recognize that face. This guy gives me bullshit advice every single time. Like, yeah. I know not to follow this guy, and maybe I should kick him off. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, this person, obviously, they, they just say, well, when the Tula is shown upon by the sun, I'm like, no, fuck you. Tell me what to do. Yeah. There's <laughs> usually, like, one guy who just gives you, like, bullshit platitudes. Yeah. Um, but, but then, again, the tricksters. You know, you, you, got, you got Kubrick stare over here. He's who, who, like, after a couple of years, he just starts saying, like, to, to stuff, you know what I'm going to say. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I, I love that so much. Yeah, they actually start, like, breaking through the fourth wall and just be like, come on, man, you know me. That would be the, that would be in real life. And if I lived as an, an Orlanthe, that would be <laughs> real fun to be one of those guys and just be able to say shit like that. Yep. <laughs> well, they have legal sanction to do it. They're there as yeah. scapegoats. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like they, they, they and and the, every once in a while, like he'll just be standing there, and, and someone will be like, you know, it'll there, there's an event where like you have to sacrifice a trickster to this barn, and it's really implied that these two horses are going to fuck him. Yep. And it's like everyone around this guy, he's just like, I don't like the sound of this. What exactly do they have in mind for the trickster? <laughs> and everyone else is like, it's no bad thing or against the law to sacrifice a trickster from time to time. Yeah. <laughs> just like he's right there, guys. <laughs> like you work with us dude you knew what you signed up for yeah exactly like you had a lot of fun now that fun is is over bills do yep yeah so um these uh these ring members can die too uh yeah. not usually in the span of like a regular a regular choice uh they're just kind of there to uh help advise you but uh, when you send out uh exploration parties or trading parties or even these uh these hero quests uh your ring members are pretty uh, uh high up in the list of candidates to do those and um yeah there's a possibility that they're just not going to come back yeah chance is huge in this game yeah. like you you do everything you can to mitigate it but there's always a chance of failure in this game as befits a game that's based on a tabletop mm-hmm. universe. Like you can always roll, roll a one, you know, um, it never shows you those die rolls, but they, 
they exist behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, and losing a clan ring member is, is really devastating. Um, you get a pick from you know different nobles, but they're not likely to be as strong. So that portion of your clan will suffer for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like your you know your plants master died, your crops might be a little bit subpar right. for a couple of years until your other guy gets up to snuff. So let's talk about these events, because mm-hmm. this is where the the meat of the game takes place. And this is what makes people call this uh, a little bit of a visual novel. Um, yeah. You know, in that it, it does it does have this choose your choose your own adventure uh, kind of kind of game book uh, side to it. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, a few times during each season, um, you get the situation. Either somebody is coming to you for help or, or you're being attacked or somebody comes with a complaint or there's a domestic dispute or something. And you get a text description and a bunch of different choices. And your clan is always there to, to advise you, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, so And they, they really vary. There are a bunch of different ones. Yeah. Um, uh, just in severity and gravity and just kind of like overall trivialness. Uh, there's there, there's a wide range there. Um, and for a lot of them, there's really no kind of like optimal outcome. Like there are a bunch of like, you know, pretty good ones. Or, you know, there's uh, a couple of different ways to fail and lose mood or lose uh, uh, <laughs> lose a couple of resources. Um, and uh, you never know when you make a certain choice if it has flipped a switch that's going to cause something to come back later. I would love to see what the decision matrix for this game looks like actually yeah. because you're never sure um <laughs> how many strands are attached to any given thing that you that, that you do yeah it is it is very complicated and it just it's because it's manipulating just these chances right so like it's not everything comes back it's not like um you know like oh i mean it is like you make a choice and it might come back to haunt you and you don't know but what actually happens is you make a choice that influences your the amount that you get along with a certain clan, then that clan has a chance of taking some kind of retaliation, and then the game checks to see if this event happened, and if it did, the retaliation takes this, you know, this form. Yeah. So it's it's, it's really complicated, and it's all like die rolls mm-hmm. um, behind, but just so many strings. Like there are just so <laughs> many things that it depends on. Um, these yeah. end up uh, being really interesting when they uh, do have those kind of strings behind them or, or kind of tails behind them. Um, I'm looking through, I took screenshots of everything that was interesting (laughs) or funny that popped up. And uh, there was a tribe that uh, I was friends with um, who kept asking me for favors. But in order to to kind of ally with them, they wanted this place of honor for a war rock, which was a rock (laughs) they worshipped. That was this rock that kind of has a face on it. Was this Gorind? Was this the Gorind tribe? Um, They have their names are randomized. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah, so we won't have the same tribe names. (laughs) Or things, but it, it probably was the same. Took the same slot, but one of my advisors says uh, our weapon things yearn to belong to a tribe that claims War Rock as its own. <laughs> like, it's like, Dion okay. War Rock, yeah, like, yeah. Dion War Rock. It's like a network. Um, <laughs> if only I knew a single Dion Warwick song. No, I, I don't know anything about Dion Warwick. Oh well. And then uh, the other thing that'll happen with these these advice that you'll get is they'll tell you what not to do by talking about bad King Urgrain. 
Yeah. Um, I love Bad King Urgrain. Me too. Like, these, these are delightful. And there's, like, one guy, there's, like, this old coot on my clan ring who just constantly brought up Bad King Urgrain. <laughs> and it just it was just really charming. Every single time. Like, Bad King Urgrain once told a starving family to eat their own children. <laughs> what a shithead. <laughs> what a dipshit. Why do you keep bringing him yeah. up? Are you trying to tell me something? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. Bad King Urgrain, he, he took bribes from two parties and then sided against neither. Yeah, bad bad King Urgrain is bad news. And then when you actually become a king, you have this little meter that shows how well you're doing, and the bottom just says bad King Urgrain. <laughs> yep. There's Hyorda so, Urgrain. Yeah. Yep. Oh man, oh man. <laughs> so yeah. Uh these things could like when you talk about these things having tails, they can either be one offs, um, and you're gonna see a bunch of them repeat every once in a while, or these can be uh quest lines that span generations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which yeah. again, very cool. And there's a lot of that background stuff that comes up only through these. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, you know, you as you slowly learn about the Orlanth, um, like, so one thing that came up through these that I found out is that the Orlanth are cat people. Yep, hey, Lynxes. Um, they, like, they like cats. They don't like dogs. <laughs> um, dogs are evil and the devil. <laughs> like, there's a part where, like, somebody was talking about these dogs that uh, – or they are looking for help destroying their dogs. Um, and it's just like, oh, they're all are not our friends. So there's nothing wrong with helping the inn can kill their dogs. Like, it's just like, okay, that's blunt. But in this world, like, yeah. okay. Um, one of my favorite ones uh, was domestic. And it was a family where the patriarch died, um, but came back as a zombie and was yeah. eating all their food. Um, which is, that's so good. And like the result, the, the, uh, solutions are really great like you can you know you can go kill them which is fine mm-hmm. um but it might be kin strife or kin uh kin strife mm-hmm. which is when you kill somebody of your family which is the worst sin in this culture yeah so uh the best solution is to sue him yeah like you get your lawyers to like to to argue that it's against the law for him to come back and yeah. it works and he just scuttles off <laughs> and the same thing happened for a ghost uh who was haunting a stead I love it. I love being, if you have like a good enough law talker, you can sue, literally sue the forces of chaos and the undead yep. into, into doing the right thing. I pretty much always took that option when it was yeah. available. Yeah. I, did, I had a good law talker. Like I had a good custom. Yeah. Guy. I've, got, um, one, I've, I've got a whole big list of cool events at the end. Oh yeah. So. We'll, we'll go back. We'll, cir- we'll circle back roll through them, but real quick, just because everyone will get this and because it plays into my first scuttled game, mm-hmm. um, everybody runs into a tribe of ducks. Yep. It's a mandatory event near you um, that are beast men um, and are very peaceful and will trade with you and are actually like really strong allies. Um, my first clan, which is a war clan, I just raided the shit out of them because <laughs> I was always successful. Like they're they're really weak. And every time, you know, when I would I'd be on my raid screen, one of my advisors was like, you know, the Thunder Ducks are the weakest of of all the nearby clans. We should raid them. How, did you go down that path? No, no. I, I I first encountered them, and I was like, okay, give us tribute for a couple of years, and then I started giving them gifts, and the tribute stopped. They, uh, If you keep raiding them, eventually they take all of their Beastman friends and destroy your village utterly. <laughs> like, it literally, it gave me a message. They killed, like, 80% of my people and burned 80% of my land, and it gives you a message that says, you get a... a, a, a you know, achievement that says beast folk apocalypse. And it, this says you can continue on trying to rebuild, but we don't recommend it. You should start over and it gives you that option. Pretty blunt. But, and it gives you an amazing scene of just all these ducks storming your village. <laughs> I was surprised that wasn't called quack attack. 
No, that would be really that would be real good. <laughs> it's a missed opportunity. Yeah, yeah. No, I liked the, the Thunder Ducks. I worked very hard to uh, to make them uh, to make them allies because they're very like agrarian. Like you, like, you, yeah. you, you can't really trade any can't really trade any cows with them, but you can send them goods, and uh, they'll they'll just always be a source of food. Uh, yeah. Pretty much, no matter if there's any kind of uh, any kind of uh, drought or famine going on, uh, they're, yeah. they're they're in a good spot. And also, they hate the undead. Yeah. Yeah, so they're 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 solid bros. Um, they can also be called the cabbage ducks. In another game, they're called cabbage ducks. Yeah, there there was a distant tribe of ducks called marsh ducks, but my nearby ducks were thunder ducks, which yeah. sounds like just the best like highlight team. Yeah, I love thunder ducks. Like that, go, go thunder ducks. Thunder duck sounds like a like a weird appellation uh, euphemism for somebody like a short flatulent guy. Oh, oh, Jim Bob, he he a real thunder duck. He's a real thunder duck. <laughs> The thunderduckfeed.tv. <laughs> yeah, but be nice to the ducks. Be kind to your yeah. web-footed friends. I think so. <laughs> um, so, Anu, if you go to your clan page, um, this is where you can kind of make uh, a lot of these resource decisions um, based on, uh, uh, you know, these different elements, so hunting and, and farming and, and the like. Yeah, like you can see the breakdown um, of your uh, of your population. How many people are sick? How many people are are, are wounded? Uh, those are important numbers because it helps you know who to pray to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and uh, and you can also see like a breakdown of your of your resources. Like if you have a surplus of food, uh, 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 instead of letting it spoil, you can actually throw a feast for people during the dark season. You know, like yeah. this is a place where you can go and do that. Or, or trade it or, or do mm-hmm. something with it, but it will spoil. Yeah. And you can you have an element of control over that too. Yeah. Um, cows are food and money. <laughs> and eventually, if you get enough cows, you can actually start ranching instead of farming, mm-hmm. um, which is huge. Like that takes care of your food problems more or less. Yeah. Um, but it's hard to achieve because you need a lot of cows. Um, but this is what you give to people. And everything has a cow value. Like <laughs> whenever someone, someone comes to you with a complaint, like somebody on your your ring will say like that that person should get no more than five cows but no less than three you know or something like that and say like, okay well that's that's what this this you know getting smacked in the head with a rock is worth is five cows it's it's it is like a whole different way of uh you know a table of conversions that you have to wrap your head around mm-hmm. like the this goes to the point like this is so ingrained in the lore that you know you'll send uh you'll send your weapon things off to do uh you know to conscript in a in a a friendly far-off nation's army to fight the lunar imperium or whatever and when they mm-hmm. come back they you know they say hey we're gonna pay you handsomely and they pay you in these like dumb shiny rocks that are flat and have faces on them yeah You're like well i figure it's about 50 cows worth of this yeah yeah so so like you need these it's it's money and food that makes more money and food and like it's really important also because this is a visible sign of your wealth like somebody can look at your land and see how many cows there are um and it 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 actually like affects your reputation um within uh within the region yeah um goods are so i think that i there might be and you can correct me if i'm wrong but i was under a different understanding than the notes for goods oh yeah um i don't think goods is a grand total of your resources i think goods is a separate resource right goods Um, it's it's like hard resources so it's like here's like ivory and trinkets and stuff like that yeah it's not uh like a of anything of worth that you have it's like things you you have that you make because Mm -hmm. one of the changes in the ios version is that it simplifies this screen specifically where you used to be able to like, I'm going to allocate this land to hunting and this land to farming. And I want to turn these farmers into merchants and stuff mm. like that, which you can, you have a limited amount of control over that. I think you can change between farmers and hunters, yeah. but they automate the merchant. 
yeah. or the uh, craftsman section. They automate merchant. You can control how many hunters you have. That's important because of the land allocation. Um, mm. And you can you can hire more farmers. Yeah, but you don't control how many crafters you have. And right. you used to be able to. Um, and crafters create goods. Yeah. Um, so. And trade creates goods. Yeah. So this is like this is a way to get like uh, um, delayed gratification cows. Yeah. Yeah, more or less. It, it's it's also, um, I think that the ducks don't want cows. No. The no, ducks don't. don't use them. So if you want to trade with the ducks, you need to have goods. Yeah. But That's if a great you, sentence. If you, That's good. <laughs> yeah. Like if you want to trade with the ducks. You, you got to bring goods. the goods if you want to get in with the ducks. If you want to get in with the ducks, you got to trade goods. Having a, having a snap fight in an alley. Lan Fontaine tells you to. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but no. If you can get a, if you can get friendly with the ducks and like welcome them, in, welcome them into your tribe at a bunch of people's protest, like you have this awesome symbiotic relationship where they're right next door and you're just one turn away from having all the food you need. A fucking dream it would be to be in a clan with ducks. <laughs> I love these duck people. Me too. Well, they're Rock so cuties. adorable. They, yeah. they look so angry. Yep. <laughs> Especially when they like the one that comes in the adventuring party. Uh huh. I love that duck. He's all done up in, in um, uh, uh, you know, it reminds me of uh, in, in EverQuest, there's a race called the Froglocks that you can oh, play yeah. as, and they're just little frog, little frog knights. That's great. Yeah. I like that. Uh, um, uh, so there's food as well. This is a resource that's really important. This is kind of like an indication of how many people you can feed for a year um, based yeah. on uh, uh, based on how much food you have um, in store. And this is kind of an indirect resource. Like you, uh, aside from just trading for it, you can actually determine like it, you're, you're pretty much at the whim of how the harvest is and how many resources you put towards having a good harvest or slaughtering. And, yeah. And, and you control that by, you know, not raiding during times when your, your farmers are better used and by putting magic into it. Um, there are a couple of things, like weird quirks about this. Uh, one, a lot of times your advisors will freak out about the amount of food that you have before the harvest. Mm -hmm. So they'll say, we won't have enough food for next year, but they don't know yet. Mm -hmm. You haven't done the harvest yet. So yeah. take that with a grain of salt. Um, two, you can slaughter, but it's almost always a bad idea. Yeah. Um, it is, you know, it is robbing Peter to pay Paul. Like it is uh, mortgaging your future to do so because it's your future prosperity at the at you know, last minute. And you should only do that if it's, you know, deepest winter yeah. and, uh, and you can't get out a trading party out there. Yeah. Um, or if you're like me, uh, the, the game that I'm in kind of stalled out because I was starving and so was everybody else. Mm. So like literally two years straight of sending out parties with more, you know, more goods than I know what to do with. This is like a real McTeague situation, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, just silver, silver everywhere, but not a gram to eat. Like, yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it was real bad. So I ended up having to slaughter and that was, uh, that was, uh, sucky. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, then there's this, uh, magic, which is a, a resource that we mentioned before gets you the, uh, the, 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 the favor of the gods. And this is something you get, uh, during harvest time or sorry, during uh, sacred time, uh, remember the song, Cole, remember the song, mm -hmm. um, uh, or through, uh, some random, random events that will kind of like help you pick up a couple. Yeah. Yep. And then, uh, population. And that's where it shows things like horses and livestock, sheep, things like that, that are minor, uh, resources that are mostly taken care of for you, but you have to consider them. So like, for example, a weapon thing, which is, you know, the warriors of your, your clan, each requires a horse. So that's the primary resource cost for that. Like they require a certain amount of land and cows and a, and a horse. Yeah. So the amount of weapon things you can have are gated by those things.
So the next like little bit of the show here is going to be talking about these pairs of mechanics. Now you have this main menu that you can look at and all of them are kind of like related to each other in in certain ways. So you have, you know, your 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 war and farming like that is that is a little bit of a, a tug of war. Um, mm-hmm. Same thing with like the map and exploring or uh, lore and magic like these are all uh, different sides of the same coin. Yeah. So, so we can start with uh, with war and farming. Yeah. Um, so inside your own clan, the kind of the conflicts are going to they're going to come up usually are between managing your your carls, uh, which are <laughs> which are your farmers. Which I know like, it's I don't, a word. Like, like I know why, that's what they were called. It's my favorite thing, though. <laughs> Like every time it pops up is really, really good. I tweeted about it where it was like Carl's furrow the land today so they can furrow man man brows tomorrow. <laughs> it's like good that's amazing. <laughs> Go Carl. So somebody make us like a needlepoint sampler. <laughs> yeah, the, the, Carl's like if this was an episode of Abject Suffering, like Carl's would become the new newsy dogs. Like <laughs> I love Carl's. Um and then weapon thanes, which are, are your warriors. They're also regular thanes, which are your nobles, and that's where you recruit your clan ring from yeah but weapon thanes are as good as uh 10 or no five carls yeah i think mm-hmm. as far in battle yeah but they require more food and you have to give them horses and stuff yeah. like that so it's this tug of war between them and they're they're going to come to you with various complaints um yes. so it's a little bit of trying to fo- you know decide what is your focus and if you're trying to be a balanced clan uh they're going to um try and argue that uh, their own side is not getting the right amount of favor yeah. And and you want to, you know, you want to make everybody happy. Yeah. You know, as best you can. Mm-hmm. Um, in your war page, you can conscript weapon things, um, launch raids or launch cattle raids. Um, and they're very different. Yeah. Um, raiding, regardless of the type, is best during done during fire season or storm season, uh, because your farmers and hunters become footmen, which are like one fifth of a weapon thing. Yeah. And are instrumental to the battle. That's also you where you get the um I can't remember the word for it, like the other. The third oh, category. Oh yeah, it's uh, it's it, not the conscripts, but it's it's like your support, it's your auxiliary. It might be support or auxiliary. It might actually be that word, but it's it's healers. Yeah, essentially. Um, what they will do is um, uh, go and kind of recover your losses. So yeah, any, you know, you're gonna get this post battle breakdown. Uh, that'll say, all right, you know, t- ten people were wounded, but your auxiliary uh, saved five of them. Yeah, so super useful. Mm-hmm. Like you just send them away, and then there's also um, blessings you can get, which we'll talk to later, that allow the women folk to fight as warriors as well. Yeah, like yeah. I was not able to. So Vinga is the goddess that you want to build to. Mm-hmm. Um, I was not able to build up her her shrine so I could so I could get both of her blessings at once. There's yeah. one that uh, enhances your exploration, keeps people safe, and the other the other one that uh, that that lets the women fight uh, like that. And uh, I was not able to have both. Yeah, it takes a little while. Like, we'll talk about that when we get to magic, but like, mm-hmm. it's a resource cost yeah. to have these ongoing blessings. Again, this is a complicated fucking game. <laughs> yep. But like, uh, just, like, you know, just of the games I have played in bed, <laughs> yeah. like, this is, you know, I, I'm, I'm sitting there and it's like 3 a.m. on a Wednesday and I'm like, I've got to keep the Carls happy. <laughs> yeah, like, it's the most complicated thing you can do in bed. <laughs> like, uh, Cunnilingus, no? No, I think this is more complicated than that. <laughs> yeah. Like that that's that is uh, you know, that Gary, <laughs> I don't want to talk about Conalingus with you. <laughs> <laughs> big horns, big fun. <laughs> the uh <laughs> like, that's all you need to know. <laughs> For Carl Lingus. <laughs> Thunderducks love Carl Lingus. 
The Carls are confused. <laughs> they, they, <laughs> the, the, the runes upon the stone yeah. send a beguiling message. Yeah. Send a swift tongue with a sure heart. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's talk about Raiden. Um, not Mortal Kombat's raiding. Okay. Raiden, but raiding. Um, so <laughs> each raid, you have uh, some different decisions. And this is true of cattle raids and regular raids. Um, but they kind of you have different goals. So a regular raid, you want to bring force, but leave enough to defend. Mm-hmm. Um, so you want to bring many weapon things and footmen and auxiliary. Um, you can do also do it some other things. For cattle raids, though, you want to send a small enough party that they won't get spotted. Yep. But the the trade off there is if they do get spotted, they're overwhelmed. Right. You know, they can the enemy can bring their whole force against them. It turns into a regular raid. What it seemed to me though is that cattle raids you can only do those against nearby clans. That is that is true. Yeah. So it actually uh, you're at a little bit less of a disadvantage because with raiding, if you're going to raid somebody who's kind of distant, um, they're going to be gone for a certain number of turns. So you you know you're leaving yourself open for you know yeah. for, for for more. So it, like cattle raids, I always saw those as like the safer thing to do. Um, oh, it's, it's way safer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, specifically for that reason. It's also if you send a raid to a clan that's far away and you have to pass through other clans, they'll stop. They can you. demand tribute. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or aid, depending mm-hmm. on if they're allies. Because we didn't, this is it real quick, just be, going back in time. When mm-hmm. you first settle in Dragon Pass, you get a matrix of relationships yep. with the other clans right out the gate. So <laughs> they say, like, oh, some of the people were sent ahead. We already have enemies, allies, people we owe favors to, and people who owe us favors. Yeah. They, which is really smart. Like having to develop, like having that already set up mm-hmm. is a really cool decision, I think. Because it gives you stuff to work on, you know, especially yeah, exactly. if you realize uh, kind of how significant favors are. Yeah. And, and you know, pieces, piece to make or whipping boys to raid right off the bat. <laughs> like I had a, a clan that like I just consistently raided over and over and over and just used as a bank essentially until, <laughs> you know, and ignored their tributes and killed their messengers and was just, you know, just the worst. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, but it was just the person they set me up with in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I was like, these guys, these guys don't, you know, <laughs> these guys are out. I got to tell you, I took a lot of satisfaction from raiding somebody so much that they, a cattle raiding, especially, that they came to me and said, listen, we'll give you 15 cattle per year if yeah, you just, just stop. Chill out. And it's very satisfying to say no to that, yep. too. Like, or, or just ask like, for more. They're like, do you wish to see us starve? Like, kind of like, <laughs> well, because you always have that one person on your ring who's like, you know, no amount of cattle can make up for past, past transgression, past transgressions. <laughs> Ours? Our like, past was, transgressions? No, I, I mean, I think he meant that like whatever happened before we got there. Oh, okay. And I was like, okay, well, whatever that was, fuck these guys. <laughs> Tradition. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> um, once you actually get to the raid, assuming if it's a cattle raid, you just come back with some cattle. Yeah, unless um, unless and, they spot you. And it's, you know, it's a good idea to, to do cattle raids, even if you're a peace clan. Mm-hmm. You're expected to do cattle raids, and the game is balanced for it. Um, for war raids, you then get a screen where you can choose to uh, use magic um, for this. So, again, spending magic is better in sacred time than here, but you can spend it here. Um, there are certain treasures, which we'll talk about later, that have special effect, effects. Yeah. Um, and then uh, what tactic do you, or do you sacrifice to your god, which can also give you an advantage, but allow it leaves you vulnerable to charges right um and then it's kind of this complicated rock paper scissors screwdriver (laughs) thing like it's like this four-part rock paper scissors between which tactic you take yeah uh so you've got uh i I didn't write these down but i pretty much always chose plunder 
but you mm-hmm. have well, you, you have survival well, kill everything well there's there's what you want out of it and what mm-hmm. tactic you take yeah so there's a skirmish um charge uh like harry like there's one that's like you know <laughs> attack them with uh uh distance weapons mm-hmm. and um a fourth one that i can't remember and then there's what you want so do you want plunder do you want to take hostages do you want to take their land do you just want to kill as many people as possible or do you just want to survive right um if you choose you just want to survive you almost always will yeah so like if you get caught in a cattle raid choose that and you'll probably be okay um, and the outcome is kind of like written to you in this, uh, uh as this part of the saga that, that, that is written down, kind of telling you what the result is, how much stuff you captured and all of that is kind of influenced by the way you approach the battle. Yeah. Um, things that can happen, uh, sometimes in the battle, there are these pivotal moments, which are kind of like the events that you would have before where there's multiple choices. Mm-hmm. Let's describe one of your uh, one of your nobles or weapon things kind of getting into uh, getting into a situation or having an opportunity and you have the ability to determine how they act. Yeah. And these these are all pretty simple. Like they're not as complicated as the, the events you get outside of war. Mm-hmm. Um, it's usually like they get surrounded and do you want them to try to survive at the risk of losing a chance to win or do you want them to take risks to win the battle or use magic or what have you? Yeah. Um, but it all kind of plays into this ultimate big die roll as to whether you won and what you lost and the like. Yeah. And so you're left to either count the count the uh, spoils or lick your wounds. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. You can also develop fortifications, which yeah. uh, you should do. Definitely. Um, they, you know, they stop people from getting to you. They stop raiders. They let you. Um, there's a mechanic where whether you see the raiders coming. Mm-hmm. Um, so that determines what percentage of your force you can bring to bear. Yeah. On them, that's watchtowers, and they're pretty cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, made it a priority to build all the fortifications. Oh yeah, like I just I, I climbed up the tech tree with that because yeah. I, I I specialize for goods, and it's like, well, yeah, why not? Yeah, um, definitely. Uh, also, there's another special one, the spikes, which oh, will yeah. uh, which will ward off kind of mounted cavalry. Yeah, yeah. Which all all those are very useful though, and you should do all of them. Yeah. Um, again, like you said, everybody raids, even peaceful people. Um, and then farming part of this, which you do during the other two seasons, um, you know, you have your land, it can be crops, pasture and wildlands where people hunt and having more hunters means you can hunt, spot those invaders more easily. So it kind of functions similar to watchtowers. Yeah. And so like, I pretty much took the split that they gave me. Yeah. And, I didn't mess with this too much. Yeah. Like um, I found it was, it, it was easier to, uh, to, to mess with the number of hunters, on the land because you're pretty much always going to start over hunting. And so you can scale that back and then those people become farmers. Like you can mess with the pasture and, and cropland uh, kind of split, but you're pretty much always trading crops for cattle at that point. Yeah. And and I only messed with it when an event came up, yeah. like it just said like, Hey, you know, your farmers are over hunting. Like, okay, I'll chill, I'll chill it out. Like I didn't micromanage it that much, partly out of fatigue because as much as I like, really love this game. <laughs> There's just so much to manage. There is decision fatigue here. So there's stuff that if you can just let it ride, um, you know, nothing, nothing in the farming section feels like life or death until it is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So onto uh, the, the way you manage the map and exploring. Yeah. Um, so it gives you a map of Dragon Pass, and most of it has this fog of war. Just the other clans that we know are out there. Yeah. And uh, you have this mechanic where you can send out these exploration parties um, with a guard or explore your own, explore your own Tula mm-hmm. there, which I 
highly recommend it for the first couple of years. You just do that until you stop getting things. Yeah. Because it's so safe and so quick mm-hmm. um, to explore your own thing. And you'll get lots of resources from doing it. Yeah. Like um, you're you can good. also explore these other areas as well. Yeah, you're going to get a lot of goods. Um, and uh, pro tip for that, if you run out, you can sacrifice to your ancestors uh, to find out more. And you can actually unlock more stuff in your Tula because they'll yeah. point to like hidden treasure and shit. Yeah. Um, so the further you send people out on the map, the longer it'll take. Sometimes, like, I've had people go out for a year. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and this is also incredibly dangerous. Like, you want to make sure that you send a proper, uh, uh, you know, kind of accompaniment for whoever you go, uh, you know, uh, send out there. However, uh, I've lost more people to exploration than uh, to hero quests or battle. So, yeah, I lost more people to hero quests hmm. than that. So um, I'm not sure what the, the difference was. Um, I didn't explore everything. Um, there were, you know, I did a lot of exploring, but not all of it. Yeah. Um, a lot. And similar to the, the hunting breakdown thing, the game will prompt you to do this. So mm-hmm. in secret time, every once in a while, you'll get a thing that says like, Orlanth demands that we make a pilgrimage to Mount Kiros or whatever, mm-hmm. the, the mountain he was born in. So during that year, if you do that, you get bonus magic points. If you don't, you get penalized magic points. Yeah. I love those prophecies at the beginning because it's kind of like giving you a challenge. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Like, a, it, well, that's exactly it. It's like Tony Hawk or something. Yeah. Like, you know, Orlan says to collect all five letters in skate this <laughs> yeah. year. Orlan <laughs> wants you to see his sick VHS tapes. Yeah, <laughs> collect the hidden VHS tape in the Kuros <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> it is being guarded by a dragon newt. We must Fuck. send Bam, Mar- Bam Margera to kick him in the head. Yeah. <laughs> Bam Margera worships Irma. <laughs> yeah. No, Bam Margera <laughs> is your mall. Yeah. Big horns, big fun. Um, I make my parents' life a nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) But but yeah, you can get some cool stuff and you can like discover other kingdoms. Like, I don't know how much of this is randomized, but like I would send people up to the to the northeast. Uh, Yeah, no, northwest. Um, And there's a there's a kingdom up there called Tarsh. And it's just like a foreign kingdom that like came from the north to the south as opposed to this, you know, the south to the north fleeing this lunar empire. And yeah. uh, you would send your people there to uh, to gamble and trade, mm-hmm. um, and they would they would come and like say, "Hey, can we steal some of your fighters to fight our battle for us?" And then they would send back rewards. Like they, uh, yeah, that's um, it's interesting because that's part of the end game. Those guys. Hmm. So like, if you have a good relationship with them early on, I think it helps. Nice. Yeah, um, yeah. It's not the locations are not randomized as far as I know. Okay, I think the map is actually static. The names of the tribes that are in the middle in actual Dragon Pass are randomized, hmm. but with with certain roles. So like, there'll always be a tribe that like are known for the cooking, and a tribe that is known for its secrets and the like. <laughs> the tribe but, that is known for dancing in the rain, <laughs> like yeah. no one is watching. Yep, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, a yeah. tribe that is known for living like they were dying. Yep. Yep. Hmm. But yeah, exploration is good. Uh, that is something you want to do at least once a year, I found, although I started using more of that for uh, kind of like emissaries and trade. Yeah. As uh, as more of the map was uncovered. Yeah. And you can safely do this during harvest and, and sowing time yeah. because you don't send very many people out. <laughs> uh, don't explore other people's tulas. They get real mad. Yeah. Like you can get away with it, uh-huh. but just they you can also, <laughs> they don't like it. <laughs> it's trespassing. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it should be noted, too, that this is analog. You just point to a place on the map yep. to explore there. So it's not like a list of options. It's mm-hmm. kind of weird. Um, but, yeah, so that's more or less exploring. And lots of random events come from this, too. 
which we didn't mention, but we'll talk about some of those a little bit later. So lore and magic, this is a very, ooh, ooh, this this gets really complicated. This is the part that I have kind of like the least grasp on. Uh, This is, imagine if Fallout's perks were things that you had to sacrifice resources to get instead of choosing on a tree. Yeah, kind of. I mean, you do get these long-term blessings, which is part of it. But they're so, so expensive. They are expensive. So so the, here's what you do in these. There's different things you can do through lore and magic. Um, if you sacrifice, if you know enough of a god's mysteries, mm-hmm. so you can sacrifice to them just to get knowledge. Um, if you get that knowledge, it allows you to build varying strength of temple, which allows you to have a permanent blessing. Alternatively, you can just sacrifice for that blessing if you know the secret for it. So it becomes a temporary thing for a year. So, and there are, like, how many gods are there? Like, 13? Yeah, something something on that that order, yeah. And each one has two to four different blessings. Mm -hmm. Um, So there are a lot of blessings to keep track of, and they're complicated. Like, a lot of them are pretty simple, like more calves. You know, (laughs) that's great. But is, is it better to have my calves be more, my cows be more fertile? (laughs) or to have less of my cows die in the year. Yeah. You know, like, or is it better to have less of my crops spoil Mm -hmm. or be able to make my farmers work harder or make the land more fertile or make it rain more? Mm -hmm. Like they're, they're, it's really like, I don't know. Do I want to improve my law speaking or my diplomacy? Well, they both kind of feel like the same thing. Yeah. They're really similar and you don't know which one's going to come first. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the weirdest ones, I can't remember which God it is, but you can sacrifice to where it makes, the cropland grow better when it's watered with blood. Oh, so, yeah, that's uh, that's the earthquake goddess. Yeah, so if you know that you're going to get attacked, you can do that and have, like, an amazing crop <laughs> because a bunch of your carls got slaughtered <laughs> and fed the land with their blood. Um, but any of these you can have temporarily or permanently by building temples. And the yeah. temple uh, sacrifice is a one-time cost. A temple is a yearly cost yeah. in cows and goods to maintain them. Right. So, um, you know... <sighs> I got in a lot of trouble uh, early on by building too many temples. Yeah, like, me too. Not, not understanding how much of a drain those would put. Like, they give you a rundown on the balance sheet at the end of the year, but it, it's not like a total. Like, they, they each of them has kind of just a, a running cost. Uh, you don't see until the next year how much that has fucked you. Well, and the, the blessings are so good. Mm-hmm. Like, it always seems worth it, but then you have a one lean year, and it's like, well, shit. <laughs> you know, I'd get these messages like, I can't maintain my temples. Yeah, they, they would go to seed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is which is a bummer. Mm-hmm. Um, so you got you to be tactical in which ones you pick. Yeah. Um, the uh, but I mean it is worth doing a couple of them. You also depending on what choices you make in the beginning, you start with some temples. Yeah. Which is, which is good. Yeah. So I, yeah. So for me, like I definitely started building stuff to like Venga and to uh, and to Isieris, uh, yeah. the one who, uh, who who was under like trade, and uh, of course uh, what's his what's his name Lanker Mai who. Uh, gave me the the diplomacy like i i was a i was a peace clan that would that was actually a balance clan yeah yeah they're really good the, the crops based ones are good too yeah um there's one that protects your your people from uh like heals them mm-hmm. kind of continuously which is really nice yeah people get wounded they're all good though is the, mm-hmm. the problem so like <laughs> yeah. you do get a little fatigue or a little uh paralysis yeah from that Mm-hmm. Um, but let's talk about hero quests because yeah. that's the other big part of this and really complicated. Definitely. And I still don't know that I have a very good grasp on it. So something you can sacrifice to uh, uh, these gods for is mysteries. And sometimes that opens up these blessings that you can get either via a shrine or uh, these, these these yearly things. But sometimes they actually reveal part of their myth, which is kind of the creation myth of how they 
kind of went from being regular or lanthy or what what have you to entering this pantheon in the spirit realm. And the uh, so that's one way you can get them. You can also trade for this knowledge. Yes. So you can send emissaries out to say like, hey, I want to know your secrets. And if they, if they like you, they'll tell you. But regardless of which, you fill out this lore sheet, essentially, that tells a story. Mm-hmm. And you want this to be as detailed as possible because ultimately a big part of this culture is reenacting these things. <laughs> and when I say reenacting, it's not like, oh, I'm going to pretend to be that person. It's more like you go back through a portal and you are that God doing the thing. Right. So you actually can change. Like it's. I was reading online about the, the greater world. <laughs> And this, and I think in the lore, you actually can change history this way. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't, I don't think that comes up in the game mechanically, but in the actual, if you're playing, you know, RuneQuest or whatever, um, <laughs> in this world, you can go back and change history by inhabiting one of the gods mm-hmm. and making them do different things. Yeah. Well, like if you fail a role, you'll end up doing stuff that goes against what the, uh, what the legend was. Uh, but, but it'll that, still that, succeed and you pass you, you pass it. I don't you, know. Yeah, you still you have a chance. Like it it ruins your chances to do it, but you can still do it or like lessens your chances. Yeah. So like the things that are successful in a hero quest um is one uh sacrificing to to mysteries that year or to uh the, to questing rather to hero questing yeah. um that year. And there's some items you also want as many people as possible to pray for you. Yeah. So, so you, you can, can send, uh, call your yeah. tribe in. Yeah, and favors and stuff too. Mm-hmm. Like call your allies and tell them to pray for you. <laughs> you want to send somebody who worships the god in question. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you're presented with this series of choose your own adventure <laughs> things that are testing how well you know the myth. Uh, there are more uh, things that can set you up too. You want a trickster on your oh uh, yeah yeah that's because that that helps you that gives you that third point towards uh, towards questing. And yeah. uh, you want to make sure you have seven deities represented on your on your circle. Is it seven or is it just that you want to have the one that's in question? It is It is seven and you also want to send somebody who worships the god in question. Okay. Yeah. I didn't realize that seven deities was important. Yes. Having a, oh. having a balanced clan like that is incredibly important for these uh, for these quests. But it is possible why I, why I had people die, even though you <laughs> always have a chance of having people die. Yeah. There's no guarantee. Like there are different ones that are easier mm-hmm. than others. And what's interesting is that like what you mentioned is you don't have to do. So you're essentially just reenacting this thing and telling you a story mm-hmm. um, of what this God did and their great deed. And you just want to do the same thing. But you don't have to. Right. Um, you can do different things that won't always ruin your chances and sometimes will give you an advantage, like allow you to skip mm-hmm. a hard, you know, a hard role essentially. Yeah. Like a hard situation for that god. Yeah. And you can only know what is, you know, breaking the rules if you know what the rule is. So this rewards you studying this myth, um, both in terms of unlocking the mysteries and trading for them and such, and also reading it ahead of time. So that yeah. you, so that when you go into it, you know what this deity did um in order to in order to get there. So it's like a test of knowledge and piety. Yeah. Yep. Um and like I said, this sometimes you can get huge boons from this. So when you go on a hero quest, you choose which boon you want. And uh, each god has different ones they can grant. They're all really powerful. Um, and then regardless of which one you choose, you get a lesser blessing for like three years. Mm-hmm. That is also pretty powerful. That just kind of comes passively. Yeah. Which is nice because the three years is about how often you want to do these based on what yeah. I've looked at. 
it was another mistake I made <laughs> um, was trying to jam through them because I got to the end game and part of the conditions of the end game is doing all of the hero quests. Yeah, which is crazy. <laughs> That's a lot. Like they want this is a long game. Like they want this to be generations. Yeah. Um, um, so <laughs> outcomes can range from you didn't get into the spirit realm at all. Like you gathered everybody and it was a wet fart uh, mm -hmm. down to, you know, just returning from the spirit realm or the spirit realm as a pile of bloody body parts. Yeah. Uh, getting lost in the darkness of the abyss forever. Yep. <laughs> or just being wounded. Like you can also come back and just be really hurt. Like, yep. you know, some like you're the God you were pretending to be got into a fight and that knocked you out of the spirit realm, but you have, you actually sustained the wound. Yeah. And then some of them, you have to be wound as part of the story. Yeah. Or give um, up a treasure like, or like the, like there are definite permanent costs. Yeah. Um, so they're, they're high risk, high reward, um, but ultimately mandatory right. uh, for, for the game right. to win. Um, yeah. They're really hard. Yeah. Like these are really hard and I had a really hard time with them. Like mm -hmm. when I, when I had that glitch from reloading my game, which I didn't do it like a thousand, I didn't like tap reload a thousand times or anything. I didn't do anything that should make the game glitch. I just did a regular reload. Yeah. Um, it was because of this, because I lost a really high ranking member of my, my ring, mm -hmm. um, right on the verge of victory and was trying to, to do the hero quest among other things to, to beat the game. <laughs> I lost the king of my tribe doing this. Yeah. It, it's so intense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that was before I knew uh, I knew about the reload, actually. So I was like, well, fuck. And then my tribe dissolved after that. Uh, and I had to join another one. I think that I really do think that the game wants you to roll with the punches. Oh, yeah. Like the idea is this happens, but shit happens. Mm. You just try again. And they just want you to keep going through because it, it really does make like an epic history. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if you just roll with the punches. But that goes against, you know video game logic yeah like you have to like that's not how we play games so that's what makes that tricky when you say it really does make an epic history it really does like there is yeah. a, a there is a, a menu item called saga which can go in and see like a written account of everything you did over the course of the years yeah yeah so huh it, it, it is hard to, to 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 suck that up though especially when you're looking at them in terms of stats uh and not in terms of you know that whole long view. Um, yeah, let's talk about uh, diplomacy. Yes, diplomacy. These are relations and trade, and this is Gary. This is where I thrived. Yeah, <laughs> this is this is really important. Like the game wants you to be at any given point. You're, you know, the wisdom generally is that peace is more profitable than war mm -hmm. and that you want to make friends and be friends with as many people as possible. Yeah. So relations like this screen will give you a big breakdown of, uh, of, of where you stand with, uh, with everybody around you. There's a map that has uh, colored names uh, and they're just kind of filters for who are you in a tribe with? Who are you allied with? Who are you feuding with? Who do you owe favors to? Um, yeah. And you get the option to send out these emissaries to kind of run these missions. Again, these emissaries have guards because there are bandits in the hills and stuff like that. Um, but uh, but yeah, you're going out there and trying to uh, to grease some palms. Yeah, either just improve your your relations with the person or ultimately set up an, an alliance. Um or demand tribute or do, do these different things. Mm -hmm. um, it's tricky, though, because you can actually you can damage a relationship to where it literally requires the gods to repair it. Yeah. Like you can if you raid somebody long enough, you can send them a lot of gifts and they will, you know, spin your face. 
And one of those hero quests we mentioned will improve your relationships with a, with a tribe no matter what. Mm -hmm. um, and you can do that to kind of dig yourself out of that hole if you want to. Yeah. But it's recommended not to play like I did and just pick a whipping boy and destroy them. Like <laughs> it's better to spread that out and try to be buddies with people. So the, there are kind of two things, because I call them the two Fs, um, the favors and the feuds. Um, and again, you start with kind of a matrix of these as they go along. Um, and favors kind of impact uh, uh, your relation, your relationship with these uh, different tribes, what you can easily get out of them, and also events, right? Mm -hmm. Like somebody can come and say, all right, we've got this awesome thing for you. And if you can't really pay for it right now, you can say, hey, well, I will owe you a favor. And you never know when an event's going to come down the line where you have to repay that favor. Yeah. Or just those ones that are seated initially. Yeah. will come and say, hey, we need your help destroying this clan. You owe us a favor. Mm -hmm. If you do it, we'll consider it absolved. Yeah. And you don't always have to do that. Like, it doesn't turn you into an indentured servant. Like, you can offer them cows or magic or support or something instead. Mm -hmm. um, and depending, again, on the die roll, they'll either accept that or they'll start feuding with you. Yeah. Um, and feuds are a really big deal because they're going to be more likely to uh, use you as their whipping boy. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Or if you have been beating them up, that's yeah. also a feud. Um, so that's kind of how you you manage that stuff. And again, in general terms, you want to be friends with as many people as mm -hmm. possible. Um, trading is super important. Um, so you send out caravans with a list of buy and sell. Like sell, you know, cows and goods, but I want you to come back with food. Mm -hmm. And uh, for these, it's always good to know which clan you're going to. You can see in their description what they kind of specialize for and focus. Like you pick yeah. whatever you have a surplus of and you try and trade that for whatever you have a, a deficit of um, with whoever has a surplus of what you have a, de a deficit in. Yeah. Um, you can also try to set up a trade route, mm -hmm. which allows you to gain kind of steady income. Yeah. From that person and that's as many of those as you can have is is great yeah that's beneficial for everybody so if you have good relationships with a, a tribe good relations you should try to set up a trade route yeah because that affects your market and again that is uh reliable yearly income and goods which again goods are just delayed gratification cows <laughs> yeah mm -hmm. um so this is like th these two things are super important i pretty much always had at least one party out if not two like mm -hmm. uh, a good portion of my weapon things were were guarding these uh, these guys as they went al went along and did their business. Yeah, and it just kind of goes to show you that you need that balance. So even if you're playing a peaceful clan, you need warriors because otherwise, you know, your traders have to deal with the outside world. Yeah. There's no 100% peace or 100% war. Yeah, there'll be pinatas. Um, yes, <laughs> um, treasures are shown here. Uh, treasures are magical items that you can get. They either have a limited number of use or standing benefits. Mm -hmm or one-off use, um, a lot of them just have a chance to break, mm -hmm. and they're really powerful. Yep. So I had, like, a, a screaming skull that... <laughs> of course uh, you did. Which, which is great, like, which just terrified horses. So, like, <laughs> if I used it in battle, I'd throw it, say, I'd throw the skull out, and it would scare all the mounted troops away. <laughs> um, so I just had to deal with the non-mounted ones, and I always slaughtered on those battles. Like, that, you know, it was really, really powerful, but eventually it just shatters. Hmm. Um. And these, usually you'll get these through special events, um, or you can go seek out, you know, to trade with them. Yeah. And uh, the standing rate for these is about 50 cows. Right. But it's really, that varies. It's what somebody's willing to pay for it. Depending on your relationship and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, weirdly, my most useful one wasn't really one I used in battle because I didn't fight a lot, but I had something called the Bowl of Plenty, 
which okay, um, yeah. if I ever ran out of food or got low on food, it would just be, here's this bowl that spontaneously produces enough food to help like mitigate those problems. So like yeah, that's great. when I hit this like five year famine or whatever, like <laughs> I would get a message saying, hey, this thing fed enough people for us not to lose any tribesmen. This is our most valuable treasure and you should never, ever lose it. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's really cool. And the ones you get are, are more or less randomized. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's where you get treasures. And, and uh, you want to be careful with these and guard them. Um, you start, I think everyone starts out with the same one, which is that cool bowl. Oh, yeah? It, it, did you start out with you? I mean, I think everyone starts out with a treasure, but both the times or the times I played, I remember I started out with um, iron. I think it's like iron tail or something like that. Hmm. And it's a very fertile bowl. Uh, oh, yes. I started out. It was, it was it was like golden cow or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. You, you said bowl. And I thought you'd like saying B-O-W-L. Oh, no, no, no. Sorry. <laughs> no, B-U-L. Um, there yeah, we like, go. It's yeah. like, were you just cool story broing me about that treasure that I no. got that everybody else gets? Yeah, yeah. No, everybody gets that douche. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, it is, uh, uh, you get this, this, this bowl, which is essentially just like really potent. Like he just has really <laughs> potent spum and that's this whole thing. Quit saying spum. So, no. Uh, <laughs> I refuse. All right. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I got that and he dies after a couple of years, but that's a nice real, uh, it's a real nice shot in the arm of spum, yeah. I guess. Yeah. It's a real shot of spum. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so, so you get that guy. And uh, I pretty much never went out seeking treasures, except for when I was exploring. That was always the nice, uh, the, 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 the nice unintended consequence. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about like winning this game. Which is hard. Um, it's so hard to do. Yeah, so you spend a lot of time in the beginning of the game just forming relationships and getting stable and prosperous yeah. enough. Um, you know, that's good. You want to get that and get to a point where you can start actually striking out to fulfill these these quests. Yeah, so you want to build um, enough of a cushion that you can kind of uh, absorb these failures that you're bound to have. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um these hero quests that you can do early on, you can get stat boost from them. Mm-hmm. So if you're gaming it and you know to do this, doing them every three years is good or anytime like a, a portent comes and says that it's a good year for it. Mm-hmm. Because if you do those hero quests, then eventually you'll get somebody up to legendary level in yeah. multiple stats, mm-hmm. which is really good. Especially if you load up your circle with a bunch of young people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that you want to that you want to invest in their growth. You just you want to bring in some interns, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, <laughs> there's one hero quest that uh, you pretty much need to do. Like, there's an event that prompts you, uh, uh, the making of the Storm Tribe, um, which is what you need to do in order to get the blessing from the gods to uh, kind of continue Orlanth's tradition of uh, forming tribes up here in Dragon Pass. So, like, that is the big gate towards like the next phase of the game. It's also the only one that's required to do a short game mm-hmm. is making this clan. You don't have to, or a tribe rather, the mm-hmm. nomenclature is annoying. Yeah. Uh, a tribe is a collection of clans. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the only one you have to do for the short game, but it is a prerequisite for the long game as well. Um, so what happens then once you have that ability to form a tribe, um, you can approach these different clans and propose alliances and try to get them to come into the, the, the tribe. Yeah. And they all have different priorities and demands 
that you have to reconcile with each other. <laughs> yep. So you're going around making these promises. Like, I, I require that we not allow dogs here. And then, okay, all right, that makes sense. Yeah, we, we have to worship War Rock. And then <laughs> yeah. somebody else is like, I hate War Rock, <laughs> and I want to throw mud pies at War Rock. Yep. And so you can have you can have all the people that you need uh, ready to sign the charter. Then you get to the moot, which is your big uh, your big meeting to uh, to get everything put into paper or into stone, rather, I guess. Um, and uh, yeah, that can fall apart because you've promised contradictory things to too many people. Which, again, like cows smooth all of this over. <laughs> you can almost always just like if you are prosper enough, prosperous enough when you start this, just throw cows <laughs> like at, at the people and they'll shut up generally. Cows smooth every wrinkle. There's like a page <laughs> on the wiki that's collected wisdom. And it's all things that, you know, people have said or, or ring members say. Yeah. And it's broken down by subject. It's pretty great. Oh. So the cow is mightier than the sword. Um, <laughs> no it's not she is wily like a dragon newt she'll speak from her throat as well as her mouth what does that mean <laughs> like, what are you talking she, about she doesn't just speak in clicks yeah yeah she's wily like a dragon newt though like <laughs> like that i'm gonna say that yeah, she'll run you people. through if you sneeze yeah she startles easily yeah <laughs> um yeah so if you manage to do this the first tribe that i was in like i said uh dissolved after my king died <laughs> oh yeah i thought i was so far along and then it just it was two steps forward 17 back yeah um and the tribe game is pretty complicated actually because all oh, yeah. of a sudden you have you have more dependencies to keep track of yeah yeah so you have to again you just have to more people are demanding your attention mm -hmm. and sometimes this is that classic like this happens in dragon age or whatever where it's like this person mm -hmm. says the land is his and this person says it's theirs you know what do you do but they're like that with more consequences and more mm -hmm. chance and more options i love that so often when, when like when that stuff happens they'll come to you and you know like blah 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 and then you do a divination and you find out like oh there's no way to win this and you say i will take this under consideration and then you yeah. never touch it again <laughs> yep you can do that for a lot of things like <laughs> <laughs> Please bother us when we're less busy <laughs> and just send people back. <laughs> um, so once you are a in the tribe, um, you have to do all of the hero quests yeah. in this. And this, it takes forever. There, <laughs> yeah. there are nine of them. Yeah. Uh, Which so. is weird because I got the prompt for the end game stuff before I finished all, all nine of the hero quests. I'm not sure if like... Mm. the event that prompts the end game is not gated by that, but actually getting all of the, all three of the quests is not. I think it is. Yeah. I, th I think, yeah. Huh. Um, the other thing is that there's these rites of kingship yeah. that happen because the, the tribe wants to elect a king mm -hmm. um, and you want to argue for yourself, obviously. Right. Um, so to do so, you need a king with, you know, as high leadership as possible, like legendary if possible, and then someone to speak for them. Um, you know, your best uh, custom or, you know, your best law speaker yeah. to kind of speak for them and see if you can get there. And then you have to survive the rights of kingship as well. <laughs> Which I have no idea, like, there, there's an opportunity to, to sacrifice to the gods to mm -hmm. uh, to try and smooth that over. But no matter how much I sacrificed, it always seemed to be a little bit more random than most other roles. Yeah. 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 Um, the big thing that happens to actually start the end of the game, though, are these tricksters show up with a tattered banner, which is actually a prophecy. Mm -hmm. um, so you get these these new random events that are the three big quest lines that end the game um, to fulfill this this prophecy. It's like healing a rift with stone and mortar. Um, <laughs> one other one I can't remember. That's another friendship, and then marrying a horse. <laughs> yep. 
Yeah, make peace by conjuring a wolf. Yeah, which you have to. Uh, uh, there, there, there's one clan that is uh, that, that is warring against a tribe of uh, of beastmen, like werewolves, mm-hmm. essentially. Um, and you have to. I actually got this event. You have to uh, use your magic to create an illusory wolf to uh, to scare the uh, the the people making the incursion off, because like most of these. Um, like, like, uh, at least two of these end quests are actually trying to, um, uh, reconcile the problems that are inherent in Dragon Pass because of all these different kinds of people being together. Like marrying a horse means actually like these horse people who are not like centaurs, but descended from, from centaurs, you know, like their feathered horse queen or king will come to you. And like this kind of seals the deal and unites all Dragon Pass. And what's kind of cool about these, um, when I when I was reading about these, is one, I like how peaceful focused they are, how mm-hmm. peace focused they are. Like again, like the way you make, you show you're shown to be a good leader, and this is through peace. Mm-hmm. Um, two, though, um, there are different ways to do it. So I know that horse one, the the let's play that I I watched mm-hmm. of this. Um, you can also, if you have high enough magic, I want to say you can resurrect their original wolf lord rather than like create an illusion. Oh yeah. So there are still multiple ways to do it as long as you follow kind of the spirit of the prophecy, which plays it. it and, and what you're doing is you're, you're enacting this prophecy, but it really sounds like it's your own hero quest. Hmm. You know, like the, don't these events sound like something that you would do in a hero quest? They do. Yeah. Like in the future, somebody would be you and it'd be like, Oh, I need to conjure a wolf. So, I mean, I was remiss and I didn't take a look at how the game actually ends. Like, is there like a reckoning? Does it show you how much <laughs> you basically, how well you did? Is there a score or is it just kind of, uh, a display saying like, "Hey, you won! You did it." it it's a display. Um, it ends with the marriage of you and the horse queen. Hmm. So once you actually do that, um, and in the one I I saw, uh, the lead dragon newt came down <laughs> to proceed or do the proceedings. <laughs> and like, which good can throw the dragon newts a bone. <laughs> Sometimes quite literally, their morality yeah. is all weird. The huh. um, but again, it, it's it's very peace focused, which I really love. So there are kind of some scraps that we can hit here uh, just in terms of like cool stories, because this is a game like Crusader Kings, uh, which does kind of create these neat little scenarios, except here, the cool thing is actually what's on the page as opposed to coming up with a narrative around what happened. It does both. Yes. So these hero quests are pretty much unanimously bonkers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they do sound real. Like when I said that earlier, I, I meant it like they do sound like myths, mm-hmm. but they are bonkers. Yeah. Um, which and in, a, in the best possible way. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite ones is the one for the, um, what is it, Ronaldo or Ronaldo? <laughs> yes, Ronaldo. Uh, yeah. Is the where you to bless your cattle and you have to dress up like this talking cow. No, that's a uh, Uralda. Yeah, Uralda. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was, love- it was it was a malpropism. I'm like I was saying it wrong after I said it wrong on accident the first time, purpose second time. Yeah, but uh, the picture for that's great. That was my that's my desktop on my my phone for a little while. It's very funny. Yeah, no, like when we say dress like a cow, it's somebody in a robe who was on all, like on all fours, hands and knees, with a cow mask on, even though the actual Uralda was just a talking cow. I'm yeah. sorry, a talking cow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but um, that one's pretty great because you are both suffering wolf attacks uh, and also trying to broker an arrangement between the cows and the two legs to uh, yeah. to exist in peace, I guess, but also as chattel, which is weird. 
that is really weird. Yeah. And you had to, you had to convince them like, it's going to have to be okay to eat you guys. <laughs> Except death. Yep. Um, I like Elmal. Uh, that one there, El- Elmal guards the stead uh, because uh, what is it? Orlanth uh, goes away. And uh, I think it's like his, his, his wedding or something like that. And Elmal, you know, being the defense focused guy that is like, I'll, I'll just watch camp in this increasingly bizarre uh, procession of chaos beasts comes mm-hmm. Such as the Eater of Skin, uh, who sings the Rending Song, the author of <laughs> Sores, who uh, <laughs> who it, like he he will he will uh, uh, cause old wounds to fester on uh. you. And uh, there's one guy who uh, tries to defeat him by making all of his soft tissues multiply so that ah, he bursts geez. open like a sausage. That's disgusting. I know, right? Um, and so, like, he repeatedly gets dismembered, but because of his force of will, he keeps pulling himself back together to face these chaos beasts uh, until Orlanth gets back. And and chaos beasts are all kind of, uh, you know, like these eldritch abominations. Yeah. Um, and different, that can be, um, you know, some of a, a tribe's, like, enemies mm-hmm. could be chaos beasts and they could really hate yeah you know chaos beast um so that's one of the things that pops up in random events as well they're from the prim they're from the space between yes yeah yeah and then there are you know a bunch of other ones i don't remember all of them because i didn't get through many of them before the, doing them when my my thing died there's there's some cool stuff like in the uh the one that you have to do the uh the making of this i guess you have to do all of them but the making of the storm tribe like it's this whole big uh herculean series of labors that you have to Mm -hmm. do um such as uh they are throwing the ring of doubt at you which is this gigantic stone disc that you the ring of doubt yeah you 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 pull out a net and you cast a net over top of it and uh that turn that makes it small enough to fit into your pocket and also there is a metal cube that is devouring a village uh, a villager and you have to in order to, to defeat it you have to recognize that a metal cube does not like novelty so you recite a poem to it that um that nobody has ever heard before and that causes it to break apart yeah it's like the, the power of disorder <laughs> yep to it again like that that and how important poems are mm-hmm. and this well, is just well, one yeah. of my favorite things like i solve so many problems with poetry like somebody would come and say you're, you're you guys are total monsters you're being just utter dicks you know we're going to raid you and you say well here's what we're going to do we're going to compose a poem about you guys and cast us as the victors and then it would say for generations to come they would they would see them as the villain that's in that collected wisdom sheet on the wiki. There's so many things about poetry, <laughs> like and how about like, um, you know, cow, like a cows die, land can be seized, but a good poem lasts forever. <laughs> yep, and that's why you need to rush to literacy. Yeah, exactly. Like you are, uh, you are warrior poets. <laughs> the um, but yeah, so you know these things are. It's good if you if you like it. Like if you like this the kind of writing and stuff. And yeah. if even if you don't, they're they're strange. <laughs> and fun and that's true of the special events too yeah um you know these kind of quest lines that can pop up so i talked about a couple of them earlier um i will see to cole but i want to get in yeah. one last one real quick yeah about the um hairball did you <laughs> did you find the 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 minotaur with the giant and a skeleton band oh god yeah um yeah Bund- bundalini's all skeleton band yeah. <laughs> comes only once in a generation um which is just my favorite thing and if you say yes like you get this amazing skeleton jamboree <laughs> like it's exactly what it sounds like and uh-huh. everyone is happy like the moods well, just pop up like crazy like everyone's just like oh there's a skeleton band playing in our tula 
Yeah, let's well, do it. Except for the people who worship Humact, who is the uh, the god oh, of war yeah. and death. Who yeah, all of your clan members are like, I cannot believe you're like a teddy to do this. And I'm like, but skeleton party, like, yeah, you, yeah. You, I cannot you, believe you're not. Like, you throw you throw a fair for everybody. Yeah. Like, it's it's fantastic. No, uh, definitely, <laughs> like the best. That's one that I wish wasn't spoiled for me. Actually, like when we announced that on the something awful thread, somebody posted it, knowing that we would love it. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I still loved it. Like, I don't care if it was spoiled. No, you still got to do it. Yeah. Um, something awesome that happened for me was uh, this uh, this quest line following a uh, a girl named Callier. Mm-hmm. Did you get her? Yeah, she's one of the two. Uh, you can get two uh, two heroes um, yeah. in the game, and she's one of the two that you can get. Yeah. So she is uh, an infant who was brought to you by an outlaw. Uh, she was born on a uh, she was born onto a shield which Mm -hmm. this fulfills a prophecy that whoever this happens to will grow up to be like just an infallible hero. And so I'm like, all right, well I'll take her in because that sounds kind of cool. I generally trusted prophecies. Like whenever a stinking shaman wandered into town, I would bring him in and feed him like just because that's, that's where we're at, I guess. Um, (laughs) And, uh, and so I raised her up and like by the time she was uh, 14 or, you know, reached the age of adulthood, I was like, I'm going to put you on the ring. Like, I don't care if it's weird to have a 14 year old on the ring. I want to have you grow really powerful. And so mm-hmm. she just wrecked shop. She was my primary explorer because she was a worshiper of Inga, but like every single stat was so good um, until finally she decides to embark on this long forgotten hero quest. Did this happen to you? No. Okay. No. So uh, if she grows old enough, she will um, decide to uh, go on this hero quest for Vinga. Um, which requires her to kind of like assemble this map on the back of a drum skin um, and travel to the far western edge of the world. And um, I did not find a way to, to 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 do this where she wouldn't die or ascend to the spirit realm because she gets to the you know to the very end and she's mapped all the land to this forbidden notion that you once crossed uh, with your people on this on the back of this magic turtle. And it's mm-hmm. like, okay, well, I fulfilled the spirit of the quest. Like, I've done everything I need to do. And then it says, do you want to turn back? I was like, well, I fulfilled the quest. And I don't want Callier to go. And she's like, no, I can't. I can't um, evade my destiny. So it's like, which direction do you want to go? And I said, well, I'll send her west because that's the only direction to go. And then they descended under the water and she went to the spirit realm. Like, she fulfilled her, her ultimate destiny. I lost this great warrior. But what was awesome is you have this agent in the in the spirit world who will, like, look over your travelers. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. So, like, you'll send out an exploration party. And it'll be like, hey, Callier came and warned them off of this terrible, terrible path they were on, thus saving you so and so many lives. I don't know if that's limited. But um, I love the like just the, like that short story of this young girl who was born onto uh, a, a shield in the middle of the woods, who you know rose to prominence at a young age and died on the back of a turtle. Yeah, that's it's really evocative. Yeah, like even just being born in a shield, uh huh, like on a shield, like that's super evocative. Like, and that's one of the the things this game has going for it. Yeah, um, all my all my children grew beards. <laughs> yeah yeah i had that happen as well which that's just a curse that they can that, that other tribes can do and i was like well i'll wait like the kids will be fine and then a year later they all fell out yeah, yeah. um and then also did you get that art uh that art uh Thadart. he is uh oh he's, he's one of your things who uh, is captured by some uh some tusk raiders 
No, I did not get the dart. Yeah, yeah. So he's captured by some Tusk Raiders who are these orc-like guys. And uh, about a year or so later, he he, he wanders back, but he looks like a Tusk Raider. Like he he prayed to their god for, uh, for kind of salvation. Like, let me get back to my family. Um, or, you know, get back to my stead and help them out. And, you know, nobody wants him around because he looks like one of these guys. And, you know, you can kind of give gifts and convince the entire clan to, uh, um, to you know, to, to accept him, basically, to not be an outcast in here. And, like, you can find him a wife. Um, and then they have a kid. And the kids are all, uh, um, they look like Tusk Raiders and everybody freaks out. And so mm-hmm. it's this balance between do you ruin this young family to maintain the peace or do you wait to see how it shakes out? I didn't get to the end of that quest line or at least anything that I saw as an end. Like, I don't know if they ultimately take over the village or not, but um, mm-hmm. that was uh, again, one of those generational quest lines. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I did not get that one. Yeah. Um, and it, it speaks a lot to like that. We only had overlap of a couple yeah. things like we both had the skeleton party we both had the somebody coming back from the dead mm-hmm. to haunt their family's house you know um i also had the dinosaur oh, come, yeah. which is great <laughs> there are dinosaurs in the game um the dinosaur come and ask you what you oh wait yeah. the, the, the you mean the dinosaur to come who comes and asks you what your greatest value is yeah 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 hospitality of course yeah the um so there's there's just a lot of them so you, yeah. you could play through and get something very different as well. Yeah. Um, and did. if you're on iOS, you can actually check and see like achievements about which of them you got. And I only got like a, a vanishingly small portion of them. Yeah. So it, it really is different every time. Um, and yeah, it's kind of a weird note to end on, but like hopefully we did an okay job of explaining this game. Yeah. Um, what it is. It is it is an unquestionably recommended game. Yeah. I think if you have a mobile device um you should 100 percent play it mm-hmm. it plays really well on the go and in little bits yeah um like doing a couple seasons on the bus felt great <laughs> um and i will still probably play like start another game even though i had two games die i'll just do it and like i'm in no hurry and i never need to reload yeah mode. i mean if that's if that's the only caution like really what, what it's doing is it's enforcing iron man mode on you yeah which is <laughs> so, which is okay yeah like because i never i only had the one tribe actually die um, from fucking with the ducks and I'll never mm-hmm. fuck a duck <laughs> again. But like the, the, like the writing is really evocative in this game. Mm-hmm. Like it's like, it's, it's goofy, but also like, I like it a lot. Yeah. Like there's a, I was in this collected wisdom page, like something that one of my, I was looking for the exact phrasing. And one of my advisors said this to me where he said, uh, I was dealing with another clan and bribing them. And the guy said to me, uh, if I'm in your pocket and you're in mine, who is wearing the pants? <laughs> that's so and like, that's, good. that's really good. Like, <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> you know, huh. like, pretty into that. Yeah. So, um, you know, just if you go back and listen to a bunch of episodes of this show, you'll find out that I will value a strong narrative over any like strong handful of mechanics. Mm-hmm. Um, however, this is this weird game that kind of breaks that rule because it has really strong micro stories again these are these are tiny little short story collections and like it scratches my mechanical edge of what i want which is a whole bunch of systems that interact with each other yeah like yeah it has that kind of complexity that only seems to really come from like games based on tabletop games yeah you know like that's a real that increases like that that usually ups the the amount of complexity by an order of magnitude no matter what yeah and definitely does here Mm -hmm. 
So yeah, and like you can play it kind of as the game that you want to make. And it's this weird platonic ideal of where those two things can intersect and just bear wonderful, wonderful fruit. Yeah. Yeah, I, re- I really love it. Like, uh, even though it isn't like the strategy stuff is not my strong point. Mm-hmm. Um, I just like, had enough fun going along with that. Yeah, but if there's no strategy there that, that you like, I mean, did you like the management side of it? Because yeah. that's that's that like that was my jam. I wasn't yeah, like so I, much about learning the other tribes' names and what they liked, but I totally wanted to make my numbers get bigger. Yeah, that that's the part that I I did too that I enjoyed. Like mechanically, I did enjoy it, and I enjoyed playing the kind of playing the odds. The way they intersect was my favorite part. So like mm-hmm. you'd have these choose your own adventure parts, and the way that like oh I know because I handled this thing well in the past, I'm well equipped to handle this situation. Mm-hmm. And it's just endlessly surprising. Like the situations are so novel and the game world and religion and culture it presents is so, uh, um, you know, it's not what I expected. Like it right. doesn't feel like generic fantasy at any given point. You know, it just feels older and more, just more gentle. Mm-hmm. Like I just, I really love how the values like are, are peace and hospitality and, you know, like you can, you can commit war, but it's like a fun kind of war mm-hmm. and you're punished for being, you know, just like a crazy warmonger. Like, that's a very hard way to yeah. play the game. Whereas in most games, <laughs> that's the easiest way to do it. Right. You know, if you play uh, another computer role-playing game, like you play Fallout or or something like that, like the pacifist run is the hardest run you can do in the game. Mm-hmm. And the kill-everything run is the easiest. And this yeah. is the opposite of that. Yeah. One of my, I don't know if this was in the manual or if this was, uh, if, if this was a piece of wisdom from my, from my ring, but it, it, it really summed that side of it up, which is you can raid twice per season, but you have more than two neighbors. Yeah. That's so good. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh gosh, like that, that wraps it up in a really, really satisfying way. Yep. Yeah, I really, I really love it. And there's a lot of things, you know, if you're an expert at this game, there are things we didn't cover. Yeah. Um, um, please forgive us. Uh, have a little bit of, uh, extend a little bit of grace, uh, our direction. Uh, we are definitely tourists in this, even though I am definitely interested in learning more and experiencing a lot of it. It definitely seems, seems like something you have to drink in. Yeah, I, I played a lot of it. Oh, God, Like, it's just, too. it's a really big game. It has, like, a lot of depth. And you can go through one game from beginning to end and not see nearly everything. There's no way to see everything doing that. Yeah. So, you know, you can do your best, but you know, mm. you won't. So, uh, but un- yeah, I, I really loved it. I think it's one of the, one of the better games we've done for the show. Yeah. Um, just really, really interesting. And, uh, and, and what a weird little like underrated gem, <laughs> you know, like when we first started doing the show, we were like seeking that kind of thing out and we still do that from time to time, but this is like in the spirit of that. Yeah. Like, oh, this is, this is like a really good game that not a lot of people know about. <laughs> not a lot of people know about it, but the people who know about it have nothing bad to say about it. Yeah. People, they know about it hard. <laughs> yeah. So, so hopefully, um, if you are one of those people who knows about it hard, uh, we did a, a good enough job. If you're somebody who has like no King of Dragon Pass, what are these idiots talking about? Please go check it out. I hope that we did a good enough job of kind of setting you up for success. Um, yeah. if you, if you go forward and play it. Yeah. And play it on mobile. Yep. Um, don't let the ten dollar price tag scare you. Yeah, like it's no. a lot for an iOS game, but it's so much value; it's ridiculous. <laughs> um, what are we doing next time, Cole? Well, Gary, next time we are doing a little NES game called Blaster Master, mm-hmm. uh, one of the earliest examples of the uh, the Metroidvania uh, kind of style um, on consoles, uh, kind of contemporaneous with Metroid itself. Yep, and it's been so long since we've done like a kick you in the 
fucking Vas Deferens hard NES game. <laughs> yeah. So we're back. <laughs> we're back, baby. Save states, baby. <laughs> yeah. So um, um, I'm excited about that. You were texting me saying definitely use a map. It shipped with them. So that is not cheating. Yeah, there are maps in the manual. The maps in the manual are a little bit abstract. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you should use a map because it is a, you know, it's not unfun to explore, but it's just a hard game. Yeah. So I'm doing, uh, I'm playing it on my 3DS and I'm doing, you know, a, a save when I get to a new level. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't, I don't, I don't actually know if, um, continues are, uh, limited mm-hmm. in this game, but if they are, I don't think I would make it that makes me sad. Um, because it yeah. is pretty tough. And uh, the bosses are very hard. I'm also saving before bosses mm-hmm. just as an anti-frustration feature, but I'm enjoying it so far. Yeah. Um, yeah, it'll be fun to talk about. And I've read the Worlds of Power book based on it. Mm. Um, so I've got that going for us. <laughs> um, we're Neat. going against us, as it were. Um, after that, are we doing our live episode? You no, know, it is the Halloween episode. Oh, okay. After that, we are doing System Shock 2. Yeah. Halloween. How weird is it? Like, whenever we, like, it, it seems like a couple times a year, we will pick a game to do, and then there will be some weird release. Because System Shock 1 just got released um, yeah. on, on Josh. Which, which I love because they've updated. They <laughs> to added, make it like, playable. Yeah, because yeah. that is a very clunky game that I've tried to play before. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to play because if you look at the, the Shock games, they form a spectrum from like RPG to action with like System Shock 1 being more or less Ultima Underworld mm-hmm. and Bioshock Infinite more or less being the worst shooter that came out the year it came out, <laughs> but with very, little, very few RPG elements. Um, so playing one, we're playing closer to the edge that I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. Like System Shock 2 plays a lot like Deus Ex, which I really love. Um, but two, I've always wanted to play System Shock 1 because it has that RPG stuff, but it is uncontrollable um, <laughs> in its original incarnation. So I'm really glad that they fixed it. Yeah. With this release. Yeah. And then after that, we have a live episode. Uh, we are going to be, uh, be uh, sharing with you uh, what, the episode we record at the Portland Richard Gaming Expo. Uh, mm-hmm. That is about Castlevania. And as yep. you are listening to this, you still have an opportunity to come out and see us um, at the uh, at the show um, and uh, as part of our panel. Yeah, we our booth got mildly upgraded. We're now no longer facing a wall. <laughs> cool. Um, this year we're facing the inside of the convention, so just another you know four years and we'll be moved up a row. <laughs> uh, that has to do with the booth we buy. It has nothing to do with the yeah. staff. And just it's just funny that this year you know we're <laughs> we're not facing a wall. Um, which will be nice. Yeah. The um, but you should come and check it out. We're doing um, you can check out our Facebook. I'm going to be creating events for um, our meetup uh, on there. So everybody who's listening to this is invited to our meetup and mm-hmm. come have some drinks and hang out with us and people like us <laughs> as well during that weekend. It'll be a good time. So weekend of the 17th and 18th, I think. Yeah. Yep, and if you want to see us, if you're just saying like, "Hey, I only want to buy a one day pass," well, you should buy two because it's a cool show. Uh, but uh, we're going to be going on 10:30 a.m. on Sunday, so mm-hmm. come in nice and hungover. We'll be sure to talk in a soothing, low key presentation. And uh, Sunday is also the day where if you hang out until the end of the show, everyone is going to be giving crazy deals. Yes, because <laughs> these people don't want to carry the shit back to their store. You nope. can bargain like mad. <laughs> so Sunday is a good day to go anyway. Yeah. Uh, so there's a, there's an episode we're doing after that. Uh, we need to announce this now so the results can be in. Um, okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, the episode that we're doing um, at the beginning of December is our poll game, Gary. Yeah. Yeah. So we are doing a stealth poll. Yes, as we alluded um, to in a previous. So you'll never know. You'll never see it coming. Whew. It is uh, the so we are doing a, a choice of four different stealth games. Five different stealth games. Five different stealth games. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And those stealth games are uh, Thief, Deadly Shadows, Hitman, Blood Money, 
Tenchu Stealth Assassin. Uh, Siren Blood Curse. And the rest. <laughs> and, um, and Splinter Cell Chaos Theory. Okay, thank you. I yeah. remember what the, and friend. Um, <laughs> like, it, is, it is our first five-game poll uh, that we we liked all these games so much that we did not want to choose. So yeah, we'll, we're going to force you to choose. choose. Yeah. yeah. So uh, uh, that'll be going out to our Patreon backers back at any level. Um, uh, the, uh, and you'll be able to see that in your email inbox or on our profile page. Uh, we really like these poll episodes, even though unanimous they have pulled back games that we've had mixed feelings about yeah i guess that's true <laughs> yeah but um, um don't let that stop you no no absolutely not yeah. um yeah and i feel like i feel good about those games and we haven't done a stealth game in a while the show or like a, yeah or like a, other than metal gear one which is like mm-hmm. or i guess metal gears we haven't done a non-metal gear stealth game yeah i don't think so i'm looking forward to exploring what the rest of the genre has to offer me too um yeah and then we have some other stuff in mind like we have our big winter rpg and the like Mm-hmm. plan so um look forward to that and uh yeah if you want to uh support us on patreon that's patreon.com forward slash duck tv if you want to buy a shirt there's still a chance if you mm-hmm. go to duckfeed.tv forward slash bonfireside cats mm-hmm. um you can buy a shirt featuring us as cats <laughs> um to help pay for hotel fees for me until i get a place mm-hmm. and um yeah, yeah. ratings reviews on itunes yeah, and uh, if you're going to be buying anything on Amazon, go to duckfeed.tv slash tip jar to uh, use that link there, and that goes a long way towards helping us out. Yeah, and you probably will be because it's almost Yuletide yeah, season. Yeah, we own that creep. Indeed. Yeah. Um, yeah, so until next time, what should they watch out for, Cole? Uh, they should watch out for the prophesied... Man, I just Dragon fill in anything hits. here. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> the prophesied anything. your energy as you try and speak quieter to not bother next roommate yeah. <laughs> yep. you got me <laughs> <laughs>